Welcome to episode 8 of Miniatures Monthly at the Crate and Crowbar. Hello Tom. Hello. My name's Chris Thurston. Today I'm joined by Tom Senior. It's me. I said hello in a weird order then. <laughs> that was strange, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I don't know why I did that. greet each other normally. Yeah, uh, it's podcasts, Tom. It is corn Pod- month, so yeah. uh, it's the 8th, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the 8th. Well, like we said last month, this means that this is the podcast where we uh, beat each other to death and <laughs> yeah. uh, claim what came one of the skulls, which is basically what just happened in the game <laughs> yeah. that we'll we'll cover it later. was pretty brutal yeah. it was pretty bloody um we'll get to that we'll get to that momentarily but yeah uh eight months of miniatures monthly which is its own milestone if you count things in eights mm. which nobody does in a, in a bigger milestone there's uh warhammer 40,000 30th birthday this september years of grim dark future yeah war which means that uh 40k is the same age as i am wow which is kind of good to know oh, yeah that's nice yeah, I'm the same age as 40k and Street Fighter. <laughs> Two very cool things. Yeah, indeed. Like basically, I got no new interests after being <laughs> born, right. apparently. Mm. Um, but no, um, like it's been that means it's been another very sort of 40k heavy month for uh, releases and news. The Death Guard stuff coming out that we talked about. Yeah, Typhus is a new model. Yeah, last month. In fact, we're recording this at slightly an awkward time because it feels like we're about to start getting AOS stuff again. After we always record right before uh, Games Workshop announces massive things. Yeah. But there is some stuff coming to AOS that we know of, yeah. uh, such as Firestorm. Yeah, so Firestorm, did we mention this last part? I think we might have I think done. so. I, I think I, I said, uh, I hope it's a game board with stuff you could put on it, and then they revealed what it was, and it is that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm really happy. So Firestorm is like a campaign system for Age of Sigmar, mm. where with a map, like you say, like a game board, and players sort of claim territory and build up fortifications and play games of Age of Sigmar in order to... Mm. Uh, take those things from one another in the manner of a game and then uh it's got reusable stickers mm. and no sticker i've ever encountered has been truly reusable no. so um yeah it's one of the great lies <laughs> yeah it's got stickers is what you're saying it's Stick- got stickers and yeah um that's that's kind of cool it's like risk legacy isn't it yeah but with warhammer that's a really good idea isn't it <laughs> yeah <it's a> great <laughs> idea i'm well into that so it's had a few sort of knock-on consequences for um the game more broadly and the fiction specifically so um it's sort of set you know between some of the cities that are springing up in the realm of fire and the realm of life mm. in the fiction of age of sigma and some of these are already known like hammerhall which features in the silver tower succursor shadows over or under hammerhall um yeah shadows adjacent to hammerhall but also some new ones like anvil guard and the other one that his name I could have forgotten. It's got a Hall of Hammers. You've got Hammer Hall. You've got Anvil Guard. A Guard of Anvils. You've got the one that's like up in the mountains. Anvil Guard is the seaside one. Okay. Right. But the interesting thing about this is they're kind of encouraging like mixed order armies, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's all order, but they're all getting their own city abilities. Yeah. Which are quite interesting, some of them. Like, yeah. um, you know, they'll, they'll encourage you to build armies in a specific way. And also they compensate for losing out on you know for example stormcast specific abilities or free people specific abilities because you have to go back to the generic order allegiance ability to use say the anvil guard mm. uh, ability which is very good but it's interesting you could take these new abilities which are a little bit like the standard order one is like 
bleach it buff or something. I think it's, I think it's reroll battles, fail battle shot tests. Yeah. So I think. good, but you know, not very interesting. But the new, um, like allegiance abilities associated with the cities, uh, and indeed with the, like the invading powers, like there, there's a, a undead fleet of pirates, mm. uh, and they've got their own rule where they can come onto board edges a bit like Stormcast can on a three plus. Um, so like these are quite game changing abilities that some, some yeah. factions have access to. Um, and it's interesting like again sort of new aos rules coming through multiple different angles it's not just books or mm. new models it's sort of um new game systems like mini game systems that piggyback yeah. on an aos which is a really nice way of doing it actually it feels like um the third part in the trilogy of skirmish to path to glory to uh, firestorm yeah but so you get to no matter how many models you own no matter kind of how into the hobby you are there's a kind of scale of conflict for you <laughs> if you know what yeah I mean. and this is the the big one uh so yeah me and hopefully chip will get in and do some firestorm hopefully. yeah well the three of us that'd be nice because we sort of we can you know it's 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 nice to have a reason to play beyond simply bashing armies against each other yeah sure and, and actually it's a kind of smart thing to do with warhammer because based on the nature of the hobby you tend to have one army really mm. that you have at any scale so having lots of different things to do with that army is kind of more interesting to me than new armies coming out. Yeah. Like, Carriage on Overlords come out, and they look great, and I love the idea of them. But I have to make, like, an actual... It's not just a, a split decision to change armies. It's like a life choice. <laughs> sure. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, years of painting bronze onto boats forever. Yeah, exactly. Boats. So while it's nice that I've got something new to play against, potentially, but also mm. my friends are in the same boat. So literally, the same bronze <laughs> boat. So yeah. it's not it's not likely, necessarily, that you'll even see that stuff yeah. in a meaningful way that impacts your game for a while. So GW doing essentially boxes of stickers with new rules is actually not a bad thing when yeah, it comes to nice. giving people meaningful ways to play the game and, uh, that combining with the allies rule is actually a great way to segue from one army to another so i've been painting some wanderers this month which will get onto our hobby stuff but mm. um they're so tiny the elves are tiny like we the, little people the, the um next to uh, a dryad the dryad's like one and a half times the size of a yeah. normal elf like they're crazy huge and the stormcasts are just dwarf them it's ridiculous uh but yeah so i've been painting up some wanderers and they're gonna run alongside some sylvaneth and that's not like match play legal but it's totally like a themey thing to do with an allies force if you're going to be playing a firestorm campaign yeah absolutely. Uh, so i'm really excited for them to be giving us these new ways to play without points and, you know, mm. ways to rearrange our armies. And I feel like this month, similarly, I've come to a kind of understanding of Zinch Demons now. Like, I know mm. what they can do. I like running them. Um, and, 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 you know, one of the reasons I, I moved that way is because Zinch Mortals has been a, a pretty competitive thing in AOS for a while, and I wasn't yeah. interested in playing the game that way. But I am going to start building out Mortals now, not chasing the meta, chasing the models I like and mm. the sense of it. But that's going to be interesting as well. It's kind of like, you know, that's sort of... And, and Firestorm's help with that because... The idea of sort of capturing and holding territory and engaging in sieges, which is one of the things that the rules in the New General's Handbook has enabled, mm. is very much a kind of a mortal pursuit, right? So I want to build out the mortal part of my Chaos Army so that that makes more sense. Because I just can't imagine demons, like, settling down to farm. No. <laughs> no. But nonetheless, right? Like, it's sort of, it's it, this stuff happening alongside the game shapes the direction I will take my stuff in. yeah it's rad so i think that goes up for pre-order today or next week yeah it's very it's imminent isn't it yeah it's imminent enough that by the time this podcast goes out that probably. information will probably be out of date yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's how we roll it is how we roll slightly Slight behind <laughs> yeah um but yeah so that's that's one exciting aos thing this month also um shadespire is very imminent yeah i, I can't wait 
I'm really looking forward to it now. Really yeah, looking forward to I'm it. really, really into it. And I, not only am I excited to play the game, but I'm really excited to incorporate those Stormcast models into my army and yeah. give my Liberators a bit of extra kind of flavour and a little bit of kind of heroic character to them mm. with those shades by models. Yeah, I'm, it's the only new project I'm allowing myself mm. to have this year, I think. It's very manageable, isn't it? Yeah. That's what's nice about it. And uh, the boards look really nice. I really like the idea of having your own, like, having... Because each player brings their side of the battlefield to yeah. the the thing and uh so part of collecting armies is having the board and the cards and the models and uh, you can just mix and match them which is really interesting i've not seen that in another game i system. believe imperial assault has something similar uh, to that i think um but it's one of the things that's quite contentious about that game because mm. there's a lot of them i don't know what i'm talking about but i know there's <laughs> something like that that people bit get similar. A, bit, a bit similar yeah, yeah okay um it's cool but or, or not who knows <laughs> not me um but yeah i think it's something that's been experimented with but yeah it's a really nice thing to have it that be that kind of yeah. accessible and also just having a kind of a quicker way of playing games with those models yeah it's even sure. a full skirmish game that is a sort of strategy game that mm. i think you intend to be balanced like without skipping ahead to the sort of things we'll be talking about this month this has been the month where i kind of came to terms and became very zen about the fact that age of sigmar is not especially a balanced game mm. for really and i don't mind but it'd be nice to have a variant on Age of Sigma that is intended for competitive play and is. But it's not that you can't play Age of Sigma competitively. Yeah. But I know I'm not interested in that, and I have a very different set of things I want to get out of it. Mm. Whereas it'd be nice to have like see what GW do when they try and make a sort of fantasy battle sport. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's really cool, especially with the the time it takes to play through a match, which is going to be like half an hour or something. Yeah. Um, and the idea that you know there will be organised play where I think people play best of threes or something. So mm. it's just like uh, I like that type of competition where it feels like if you're not spending hours and hours on a thing and you're not like carting huge armies across a city to play with your friends um it just sort of takes the pressure off it yeah i feel like more confident about playing a competitive game that is like more light touch like that yeah. less of a time investment it brings it into the x-wing territory yeah, whereas x-wing sure. is a miniatures game with a small enough model count that you can just cart your stuff in a small bag mm. you know it's not quite as portable as a card game would be where you just show up with your deck but yeah. it's close closer yeah, it's nice um so yeah so that's uh yeah i'm really excited about shade spy so the only sort of shade spy news we talked about it before but the only news really is they've sort of teased what the other factions are going to be at oh, least yeah. the next couple of months mm. um so in terms of things people didn't people knew about undead because there's a new fancy skeleton yeah lovely. um bloodbound and stormcast but it looks like the rest of the roster will include fire slayers so mostly naked dwarves skaven which is exciting because that means new skaven mm. sculpts which has yeah. been a long time has since been a long been time. that's the bigger news right it's not just yeah they're in the game it's every faction that's been in shades bar has new models they mm. haven't reused anything so yeah so the, the death rattle models are fantastic and they're yeah. the first death rattle they've, they've done for a long time um so yeah skaven is a it's really exciting yeah skaven is probably the one i would play because mm. i love skaven yeah but great. i don't and and you know skaven are the allies choice of choice for me for my for my uh, chaos yeah, eventually yeah, but i want to yeah. get zinch mortals first mm. but like uh, yeah skaven at this level would be perfect for me i think yeah that's awesome um, i don't really want to paint like a million of them <laughs> which you will have to yeah have an army. um but and then the the other is uh looks like um vanguard hunters so more stormcast yeah. but of the wearing pelts variety yeah it's not choice that one i think um unless that's purely illustrative like that's mm. the other thing i'm wondering is whether that's just to illustrate that yeah stormcast the, the, are in it the, the the picture the piece of art they released is like um a, a sort of death icon in the middle and then like a shattered glass effect and in each panel 
it's implied is a different faction mm. um so you've got like death right in there you've got fire slayers then there are two of them a stormcast and one is a lib and one is a vanguard hunter right yeah a vanguard chamber um and like i, I mean i love stormcast i love all that stuff but it feels like why not give why not do a lizard man one you know why yeah. not get some new lizard man sculpts instead of just you know some more mm. stormcast or something but it's nicely expandable and that's a nice thing yeah for sure yeah, yeah. um actually that reminds me just quickly the only other thing that's been announced in the last month we didn't write this down a list of news is next year's event Hmm. Uh, for Age of Sigmar, oh, right. because they showed one model, right? Like the yeah. Herald of Death, the Herald oh, of Nagash. Yeah. yeah so next year's, uh, can you remember what it's called? <laughs> no, the event. no, I can't at all. No, uh, it sounds like it's going to be like a bunch of heroes they're going to release. Uh, yes, uh, yeah, but I don't know what it's called. So um, I could look it up, but it's too late for that now. So next year there will be a big crossover AOS event, another one, which does suggest that it's you know 40k has had been so dominant since mm. the months before Eighth Edition, so most of this year now, really. Yeah. Um, but AOS's event next year, they haven't really revealed much except a new model called the Herald of Nagash, which is a really lovely death model. And it was one of the other first new death models in a while. Yeah. Um, it's really nicely designed partly because it's sort of a ghost and sort of a skeleton mm. and sort of like a war armored warrior, sort of all of those things, which means that you can see it fitting into, um, a death rattle force or a night haunt force, or yeah. even maybe a flesh eater courts force. Cause it's, mm. it's sort of omni death. And I quite like the idea. I mean, my guess is, because this is Herald of Nagash, that Herald of is the linking thing here, right? Right. Because you could either easily have Herald of Archeon, Herald of Gorkamorka, mm. and Herald of Sigmar, yeah, and you have be. the other Grand Alliances. Mm. So if those aren't the four things, I'm going to put my, I'm going to put my line down now. That's yeah, what yeah. I think this is going to be. That's, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, I've, my big hope is for a big death release next year at some point. Um, just because, the, Gazewatch kind of said by doing Shadespire and this and the Herald of Nagash that we're still interested in death. Mm. We're not worried that skeletons are uh, easily copied archetype that other companies can produce. Like, we, you know, yeah. they've, they've kind of suggested that oh, actually we, we make good skeletons. We, we make the best skeletons and people buy our skeletons. <laughs> they have the best skulls. <laughs> they've got the best skulls. Um, and it is indeed the, the month of corn. So, mm. um, yeah, that encourages me. And that's just that there will be some, you know, a Nagash army at some point, hopefully. We yeah, I hope yeah. so. Genuinely hope so. Yeah, me too. I, um, I would immediately collect a Death Army <laughs> if they release new Death Models. I really want to paint millions of skeletons <laughs> uh, for some reason. <laughs> just it's just more dry brushing. I think. Yeah, I think it's because it's the complete opposite of Stormcast, where you've got like not very many very shiny things, and then to go to millions of gribbly things is is probably mm. the direction I'd move for a second army. Yeah, and Death is. Uh, I just love the. Death, the idea of death and the gash is a great character yeah i would probably go to smaller numbers of mm. more elite <laughs> yes. things yeah you should collect some stormcast with, with a regular number of arms yeah that would be my two team. arms each stormcast is great amazing incredible You'll imagine living in that world um the only other piece of news i think that we'll discuss relatively truncated news section because there's always stuff going on although it has felt a little bit quieter with such a huge rush of things yeah i mean i think i mean releasing a new edition of 40k is so huge that you know that's probably i mean games works probably deserve a little bit yeah <laughs> and also there are things like there are new codexes coming along yeah Adeptus mechanics codex is on its way oh, but yeah. it's not necessarily directly relevant to us right now so yeah. that's the other thing I, I will collect an admec army actually the um special admec rules they're adding in the codex have convinced me that it's probably more viable than it is at the moment as an army mm. to play on the tabletop like the, there are ways to keep your dudes alive that, that um they did not have before so the other news though the one thing that is sort of 40k related that did stand out is 
they've kind of confirmed now that the Horus Heresy books are going to get to Terra. Yeah. Which is the big thing, right? There's north of 40 books in, in the Horus Heresy mm. series now. Since the beginning of the Horus... Well, when before there were Horus Heresy books, basically the only thing people knew about the Horus Heresy with any kind of degree of certainty was basically the circumstances in which Horus dies. Mm. Spoilers. Everyone, you know, that's the end of the Horus Heresy. That has to happen for 40k to exist. Yes. That is like the Emperor fighting Horus on the bridge of Horus's flagship at the end of the Horus Heresy was the only event from the Horus Heresy that's been in 40k fiction mm. since as close to the beginning, basically. And there's the whole Siege of Terror, which is an enormous event and yeah. hasn't been extensively detailed, I don't think, ever in 40k. They released a board game about it um, a few years ago. I should, I don't think it's available anymore, actually. Um, no. But now they're going to finally codify it all. And they're going to write a, probably a series of books around Siege of Terror. Which is really interesting because mm. there was, I think, some concern that they were spinning their tires a little bit. Yeah. I mean, there's always stuff going on in the Horus Heresy. It's a big war. Mm. But still, like, it's it's nice to know that... I mean, and all they've really said is that we've had the meetings. Yeah. And novels take a long time. Mm. So this is still a matter of years, I suspect. I mean, I can imagine 20 books about Siege of Terror. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I think this is like the second phase of the Horus Heresy project. And you could do so much about Siege of Terror because it's the point at which so many different factions converge and yeah. kill each other and Primarchs die. And then there are whole novels about the ones that aren't there. Like, yeah, the Ultramarines yeah, sure. aren't there. So yeah, it's like, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. So, I, I mean, I think it's going to be a huge thing. And the, they've got their very best authors in. So, Dad, Dan Abnett's in and, you know, Graham McNeil. And Graham and... Neal, yeah, exactly. You know, they've, they've got all their top, their big hitters basically in to, to hash it out. So, that's mm. very exciting. Have you made any further progress with reading? Uh, yeah, I finished it. Yeah. Uh, Dark Imperium. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, it was great. I really enjoyed it in the end, actually. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, it comes to life, like, in the last third. It's, yeah. uh, it's a really... Sometimes you just need Robert Gilliman to fight a dragon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or whatever the hell, a sort of horse-faced demon thing with wings. Yeah, it's great. Um, really interesting stuff about the Emperor in there as well, at mm. the very end, uh, which I thought was fascinating. And it was a really nice reward for getting to the end, actually. Cause yeah. Like, you can't kill Mortarion or anything. It's like, he's got to be a model. He's got to carry on existing. But little revelations about the world like that are, are, are enough of a payback for me to read those novels. Yeah. Did you find that it was ungrimdarking it a bit to have Gilliman just show up and be like, come on, what the <laughs> hell? <laughs> uh, a, a, a little bit. I think that he's... Um, the Ultramarine is supposed to be like the everyman equivalent version of the Space Marines, really. Mm. Like, they're supposed to be, apart from the Salamanders, who are just quite nice. Uh, the Ultramarines are... <laughs> They'll set you on fire, but they're nice. They're, they're, they're the sensible Marines, the Ultramarines. And, yeah. and uh, the idea of uh, bringing back the Primarch and him just being the most sensible person in the universe was perfect, really. Mm. And that contrast between him and, you know, the, all the organs of um, this extraordinary, horrible bureaucracy that humanity has become... Uh, it was uh, really enjoyable. Yeah. yeah, and and with Nurgle on the other side, it was right. Yeah, like, for sure. It's just yeah, just, rotten corruption on both sides. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some great passages about Nurgle. Um, I, I loved um, when they eventually got around to introducing Mortarion, like what they did with him as a character and his relationship with Nurgle is really, really cool. Yeah. Actually, yeah, he's not having a good time. <laughs> no, no, he's not. He's got. <laughs> the thing is, he's got, Mortarion's he's... always been a prick, so yeah. I, he totally deserves it. He's one of the only ones where I'm like, you just, I don't have any sympathy. Definitely brought in on himself, and he's got like a, the, the soul of his dad in a jar that he just torments. <laughs> Alien dad, yeah. Yeah. Um, his, his real dad, I suppose. Uh, the, the man who raised him. The, man who raised the alien him. creature thing that yeah. raised him that he keeps in a jar now. <laughs> keeps his soul in a jar and, and unleashes diseases of the soul upon him. It's like, what is the disease of the soul? I mean, it's, yeah. It's the most noble thing ever. It's great. I've um, pretty much, uh, probably by the time I read this, will have, will have wrapped up A Thousand Sons, which is oh, yeah. the, the Graham McNeil, it's the 10th Horus Heresy book, I think, but mm. I, I did skip ahead. I did take a bit of a break from reading Warhammer novels because I did... 
sort of Marath and the first four Horus Heresy books. Yeah. Um, but, oh man, like I know I don't want to do any more laps around this particular plot point, but every single angle I've now heard, read The Fall of Prospero from, yeah. from the Horus Heresy book seven Inferno to backstory matter and everything else to this it's just such a colossal fuck up like they find no new <laughs> angles in which to kind of explore <laughs> right. how much of a fuck up that is yeah, yeah like and there's a it's kind of it's interesting because genuinely i now think the thousand sons are one of the most sympathetic groups mm. in 40k honestly right apart from the fact that they do pivot to being dicks quite quickly not out of character but that's but what chaos does isn't it there's an element the of like well. well okay so there's like you know, Magnus, you know, figures out what Horus is going to do. Yeah. Like Magnus collapses during the, the, um, and also it really reflects Magnus. I've always thought Magnus might be a bit of a dick, but actually Magnus is also one of the chiller Primarchs. Mm. Like Magnus and like every Primarch has his like best mate who's a normal Marine. Every single Primarch has this, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, um, at least loyalist Primarchs do, yeah. right? This is, this is like the, this, this yeah. is, yeah, this is the structure of being a, uh, like the of the the average kind of you know founding legion soap opera is you have the primarch you have the primarch's favorite son yeah. and you have the primarch's kind of the one that sticks around who follows orders the best and is probably better but is a bit of a twat about it right so for horus loken is the favored son mm. abaddon is the one that kind of gets it right, <laughs> right most of the time this is true for like every single basically chapter yeah and when they fall to chaos one of them becomes like the second in command, the Typhus, if you will, or yeah. the Abaddon or something like that. And the other one goes, goes well off on way. a mad adventure. So you have Loken going off on a mad adventure. Yeah. You have, um, uh, Garrow is exactly oh, yeah. that situation, yeah. right? Like he's a death guard, but he doesn't, he's not a dick about it. Yeah. Like, um, and Araman is just right in the middle of that thing. Araman's the only time where they're, they're both the same character, hmm. where Araman fucks off to try and save them and then, fucks up even more like yeah they are just the legion that can't get anything right bless them oh man but um it's a good story it's a really good story like so it's such a great kind of like basically mortarian steps up at this council of nikea to condemn Ma Ma magnus yeah is a complete twat about it magnus is so angry he accidentally lets araman who touches him in that moment to comfort him see his entire soul which almost drives him it would drive anyone else mad but araman survives it oh wow just hmm. araman collapses for like three days <laughs> then magnus collapses they collapse a lot <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's very zinch yeah, right yeah. like they're very very powerful and mm. then they go to sleep <laughs> yeah. um and then Magnus just has a vision where he tumbles into the realm of chaos, sees the year 40,000, <laughs> sees Horus as this sort of like demon prince god and goes like, oh god, shit, I've got to stop this from happening. Yeah. That means I kind of need to start sacrificing thralls to cast a big magic spell. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the, the emperor does this on a daily basis. Though, yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. And um, and then the, the whole sequence where Magnus tries to warn the emperor and bursts into, like, destroys the golden throne basically destroys all of the machinery beneath the golden throne oh, yeah, that yeah, should yeah. give humanity access to the webway and magnus fucks it up so badly because mm. he just sort of bursts in through this golden door like the kool-aid man <laughs> um like wreathed in warp flame yeah. and and sees his dad and his dad just looks at him like what the hell have you done and magnus looks sort of like shit and vanishes <laughs> <laughs> and in that moment like every psyker on terror dies apart from the emperor oh wow <laughs> and it's like yeah and that's the moment he's, his fate is sealed but it's such a good moment because it's just it's a really good bit of just even though you know how it ends every single step of it is just agonizingly like come on oh, it's like dramatic or anything yeah it? yeah and i think the siege of terror just to loop it back that has that potential as well because mm. you know what has to happen you know who has to die 
but they've they've proven that even with even when the ends are uh predetermined to such a strong degree they mm-hmm. can Find spin these in. good yeah. like horrible stories where everyone you like loses yeah it's great and um we uh we could talk with a spoiler warning about the end of dark Imperium, what it says about the emperor it's kind of interesting uh yeah maybe fast forward two minutes if you don't want to hear yeah, this it's three long. minutes yeah uh, but uh at the very end reboot Gulliman finally kind of recalls his meeting with his father um, with the emperor himself and he actually does go and talk to him and encounters him and obviously the emperor is a corpse on a throne but definitely exists in uh, a psychic sense like it seems to be just a (laughs) it's really grim but this vast uncaring godlike entity that doesn't really necessarily even care about humans anymore (laughs) which pointedly is exactly how the chaos gods are described uh, in in yeah. how they are perceived in the warp actually th- th- that comparison occurred to me because that is how magnus because magnus eventually has to break the news of chaos gods to Armin, right like because oh okay magnus tries to lie like i've never seen this before <laughs> i definitely made never any made any bargains with they this thing in the warp mm. a, sh- a giant shadow in the warp i don't know what you're talking about and then Armin just sees through it immediately and so he has to kind of introduce this idea, but it is always this kind of grand, greater psychic presence. Mm. Just like a terrifying, yeah, almost cold, like, like... Almost like a continent within the warp yeah. that kind of just shifts everything else around it. That's how Magnus perceives the gods initially before yeah, they have okay. names. Right. Um, and that's kind of the same way Gilliman experiences the Emperor. Yeah. Uh, which is, So the Emperor is like... I've always thought of the Emperor as being kind of like Sigma in the 41st millennium. Mm. Um, and Sigma equally... like he, Well, he used to be a human king initially, like in the old world. But what he is now is definitely not, you know, human. Yeah. And the way he uses humans and human souls is actually very cold in the same way that the Emperor is. And one of the big things that Reboot Gulliman discusses is, like, how uh, the thing he obsesses over is how he's referred to by the Emperor, not as a son or as any sort of, like, emotional mm. connection between them, but as a tool that has been fashioned as, like, an automaton or an android that the, thing is, that the Emperor has made for yeah. a purpose. And the Emperor is pleasure was simply seeing that the tool isn't broken yet <laughs> that the tool that he thought was broken is back and you can use that now and that's the, the most grimdark thing i think that's happened in the uh to, to loop back to what we were saying earlier about you know um reboot gulliman's sensible like happy marine versus the hot, grimdark reality mm. like um his his meeting with the emperor is the most grimdark thing to happen to 40k i think since for, for a while yeah for a long time yeah yeah just like oh yeah, it doesn't there's nothing he can do about it. There's <laughs> yeah. nothing he can do. And humanity is completely reliant now on this god that they don't understand and worship ignorantly. And they, they, all their warp travel, all their space travel, all of their the entire society across the stars relies on this entity, and no one understands it. And it is it's as cold and calculating as any other giant god in the universe. Great, good, good, hooray, hooray, <laughs> everything. Forty thousand. Yeah. So that's basically well. So. Yes, this month's news is... <laughs> the uh, Emperor doesn't love you. <laughs> yeah, the Emperor doesn't love you. Yeah, it's this month's news. Um, if you're wondering, you can at this point tune back in for spoilers. If if, if that wasn't a spoiler, yeah. well, I'm not really sure it is. Really, uh, no, I think everyone probably figured that, that out. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we should talk about our month mm. because I've had a weird, very front-loaded month. So a lot of the biggest things that happened to me, miniatures-wise, happened a little while ago. Yeah, you, have, you went to a tournament, Chris. I did. So... Um, I sort of thread my uh, hobby into this a little bit as well mm. because um, so I had a tournament coming up a week after we recorded the last episode 
and I uh actually I'll get to this when we talk about painting, but to talk about the tournament itself, um I went to Blackout in Cardiff, which was a kind of big big event, I think. Um I think <laughs> upwards of eighty players, um, which is obviously a lot of Warhammer all in one place. Um and was also the first sort of like event of any scale since General Handbook two came out, which has more of a, a, a bearing on the game for people who take competitive AOS very seriously than me. Hmm. Um, but I went with my friend Matt Sherritt, um, who does the Hipster Hammer blog with Guren Gillen, and he brought his flashy to courts, and I had my Zinch, um, two thousand points of Zinch Demons, and was there for five games over two days and. You know, it was interesting. The only transferable skill from a couple of years of playing competitive X-Wing was standing up all day. (laughs) Yeah. Which meant that I kind of got through the games sort of Mm -hmm. feeling okay. But genuinely, it was a really good experience. And specifically, like, I came away with it with, I think, a much better understanding of AOS. Like, I think I'm better at controlling my army now and all that. But specifically, also, um, what I get out of AOS. Mm. So rather than, like, do a blow-by-blow of the tournament, I thought it would be interesting to use the games Partly to explain how they kind of panned out, but also to talk about, to bounce off into a conversation about kind of like the state of AOS in some ways. Yeah. Because we didn't um, have a chance to really play with General's Handbook 2. And to be honest, we were still unpicking some of the ramifications, mm. even as new stuff comes along. But what it was was like a kind of crash course in in new AOS, I guess, for me. Yeah. Um, and Or just AOS generally, because also this is the first time that I didn't, play against stormcast every game right yeah, like this is a lot of new yeah. experiences and i think i might have over the course of the event like quite a run of um like very different experiences mm. so um my first game was easily the best game of the tournament for me and in terms of having fun mm. and one of my favorite games of aos that i've ever played mm. um and it was a guy against um Sam, who a guy called Sam, who is bottle on a lot of AOS forums, he created the Hinterlands rule set, which is a precursor yeah, to skirmish. Awesome. Um, really lovely dude, and also a really great painter as well. Like, uh, and it felt like obviously I had a kind of a mono faction force in terms of my well, one chaos sorcerer lord and a shitload of demons. Um, but it felt like both of the armies had kind of been constructed with a very similar mm. sensibility. Um, no battalions, all mixed, just units. Yeah. Um, built around a theme so his theme was sort of like mixed order so really beautifully painted everything from sort of wanderers to huge unit of free guild spearmen celestial hurricanum uh general on a griffin nice uh elven mage uh, and even a couple of carriage and overlords and stuff oh, cool. all really nicely painted all kind of unified and we were lucky to get one of the really nice terrain boards which was like a kind of desert scape kind of thing mm. so immediately we kind of had this feeling of a like a, a city's defenders, you know, mixed order kind of rallying forth, were tied well into Firestorm to kind of, and, and ironically, this game took place at the shop Firestorm <laughs> yeah. in Cardiff, mm. but like, you know, rallying forth to defend the city from this sort of tide of demons. And it was a really interesting game because, um, because neither of us were really like power gaming it. The, um, the scenario was a relatively straightforward one with just, you know, objectives on either side like to take be and hold style. tagged, like take and hold, like mm. all of the new, there are six new competitive play scenarios for, for AOS. I've now played five of them. I don't know if I have grand insights on them necessarily because I'm not that kind of player, but, um, but they, they do feel, um, just like s- smartenings of the previous set. So new rules, like for example, um, hordes. So units with more than 20 models in them mm. now have, um, now sort of auto cap 
things that they're near in, right. in some of these scenarios a bit like space marines do in new 40k uh, okay. yeah. so it doesn't matter like um you sort of automatically get you win it unless you're against another horde which gives hordes something to do other than just have a lot of people like yep. they have like a ter- territory control innate ability which mm. is a cool thing to do um and it was a super interesting game partly because the op- it has had one of the best i think narrative moments for me like or in terms of like every good moment in that game felt like you could see the story evolving which Mm. has come to be the thing i kind of want the most from aos i think yeah so it opened with honestly so sam finished deploying first and gave me the first turn which is a big risk against Sinch. apart from the fact that my ranges are very short so yeah spellcasting it's a toss-up right it it gives you your bellwind vortex and other things yes i don't think he realized about the vortex Ah. even though it was on the board like it was on my sideboard ready to be deployed yeah but basically when gone someone goes up on the bellwind vortex he becomes a three foot threat bubble Mm. and there was also a block of 33 guild spearmen kind of angling for one of the objectives so first turn of the game was just this sort of devastating charge slash magic from me where the um the gaunt summoner killed like 15 spearmen by himself just set them the hell on fire and then all of my flamers and um chariot kind of screamed forward on that flank and completely wiped out that block of spearmen with battle shock because obviously no time to put uh inspiring presence on them yeah and then um on the other flank my screamers which are now running in a big block of six and i really like them in a big block of six just ripped this it was a wanderer hero like one of the archers oh like a way watcher yeah like a way watcher hero right. kind yeah. of thing yeah just ripped it to pieces and it was kind of like you can imagine this that 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 archer hero was like leading a big block of like mixed free guild archers mm. and you kind of imagine this elven kind of like archer servant just getting shredded <laughs> like it's not a good Gruesomely, death by like uh, space manta rays yeah. that then go to close in on the archers because they're so fast mm. And my Lord of Change was in a, as the ever is, like in a big pocket of pink horrors kind of at the back, kind of ready to march forwards. Yeah. And it was a really good start. And then, um, and then, so, and then it was, it was, it was my opponent's turn and the free guild general on a griffin, who again is one of the old empire models, like big plume, big mustache, probably like, you know, kind of like, <laughs> yeah, very pumped up general, oh, that's okay. um, uses his, uh, one of his, I think, new order allegiance abilities, which is called strategic genius, which felt a little ironic in that moment, <laughs> both because of what had just happened and also what was about to happen. He, he meant to sacrifice all those people. To he did, yeah. Your demons, that was part um, of his plan. Yeah, um, so his armies are, most of his armies on fire or being shredded by space manta rays. Part of the plan. Yeah, part of the plan. He uses strategic genius, which allows him to use two command abilities. Mm. So obviously inspiring presence is one. I don't know, remember what the other one was. And then he does a 14-inch move. Other things happen this turn, obviously, like shooting and stuff, but does a 14-inch move and then succeeds in a 10 inch charge oh, well. which so he moves 24 inches across the board and just smacks into the pink horrors that are right next to my lord of change mm. and i like to sort of imagine this cinematically as this general on his griffin like with me men like hammer aloft on his huge double-headed griffin mm. just like flies into the into the fray like past loads of demon units going straight for the lord of change at the heart of it and then what happened is and you've experienced this very recently. He did the worst thing you can do, mm. which is he killed nine <laughs> Out horrors. Of 10 horrors. Ah. He killed nine horrors, and that meant the standard bearer survived. Mm. And then we um, rolled off, and I won the roll off. So we, it went back to me. So it wasn't a double turn for him, basically. So that's a 50 50 chance. Yeah. And um, the. Uh, and so. And then. So I obviously had committed a Destiny Dice one. 
for the for the pink horrors so i got i think i got three back so i had four pink horrors mm. and then i had them cast fold reality on themselves yeah but d6 and was, which is d6 back or yeah. if it's a one the unit is wiped out i rolled a six Nice. So then all 10 of them were it's back. Just, yeah, that so, always happens. So, so, nothing, <laughs> so nothing had changed. And then the Lord of Change, like, I think the, like, Free Guild General or Griffin is like a 14 wound model. Mm. And the Lord of Change just fucking popped off and just annihilated oh, wow. him. Like, but, so the spell that, so initially it was like Zinch's Firestorm, mm. which is like, so he it's set the hell on fire, basically. And then he, the, the killing blow is dealt by, um, Infernal Gateway, which is when the, the Lord, of Zinch, Lord of Change, like, opens a portal into, the realm of chaos yeah and so because this was all happening like mid charge the way i ended up my mind's eye picture of it was of this free guild general leading this sort of charge the light brigade moment straight into the enemy general and almost like a matador hmm. the lord of change just opens this sort of portal into space falls the, into gil- the generals go straight through it the portal closes and when the general goes through all the horrors that he thinks he's killed are back <laughs> <laughs> so so oh, like was each, it was it was pure like was don't charge a lord of change like yeah, you know yeah. what i mean like you but then what was happened was so good was um so the fire slayers that were part of um part of the army sam's army just held the fucking line against like the chariot and the flamers and and stuff on one oh, flank nice. yeah. and some sort of hero archers managed it on the other flank um the changeling tried to steal comet of cassandora from a hurricaneum which would have been very <laughs> funny been but didn't quite come off yeah. but also that meant that sort of obviously you don't have a second general hmm. but the next highest ranking hero in his army was this like high elf sorcerer, which stood at the back and just placed this huge shield down, like a mortal wound shield on everything in his army. Oh, right. And it felt like a real story moment. Like mm. the general just fucks off and dies. Like it's the stupidest death anyone has died. Yeah. And then, you know, the high elf just plants the staff and is like, everyone stand here yeah. and don't die. Probably the only other person like on the battlefield with enough knowledge of magic to kind of push back the zinch yeah and, kind of and that was the thing suddenly like the the wave like all my damage slows down a lot because mm. it's like a six mortal wound save but it makes a difference yeah. given how much damage i put out For sure and that meant we had a real game there and then but it was still like hugely mine to lose basically mm. except he had three endrin riggers which are the carriage on overlords oh, yeah. that have little balloons strapped to them <laughs> yes and they have one of them gives up his ability to have a ranged attack in order to carry a big grappling hook around <laughs> And then it wants, like, if he wants to in the shooting phase, he can shoot a piece of terrain oh, 24 moves, inches away. Yeah. And the rest of them presumably grab onto him. <laughs> and they just, <laughs> like, they just, like, grapple. And he managed to succeed in a 24-inch grapple hook on a rock near my backfield objective, which I'd abandoned in order oh, to hit wow. him. Oh, wow, okay. That's and, awesome. And then these, like, three carriage and overlords who couldn't decide if they were in it for the money or just being <laughs> heroes, just, like, shoot across the battlefield, back cap one of my objectives. Mm. The game went to time, but it meant that when it ended... He was ahead by like one point and nice. one on that. And wow. it was just like the best game because yeah, like that's I lost, but it was like, holy shit, like it's such a good story. And the mm. fact that it like opened with catastrophe, but also like comedy catastrophe. Yeah, yeah. And actually like we'll probably have this conversation, but almost like in defense of mortal wounds to an extent. Yeah. Like it created that moment where it's like you you didn't realize how much of a gamble this was. Mm. Like don't charge a lot of change and assume it's going to go fine and that you're going to understand everything that happens next. Yeah. You know what I mean? It yeah, was yeah. just like, and you're in you space now. Deleted, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was absolutely a great game. And what was um, really interesting was, and I genuinely just, you know, one of those ones you just, you're buzzing. Then the next game was super interesting because it was a huge education in how competitive AOS actually works. Right. Because the next game I came up against, um, uh, and this is a little, so it works with Swiss. So you play someone else who lost, 
but my next game was against someone who ended up placing very highly mm. so obviously they lost the first game but then sort of bounced back hugely because they beat me obviously um and this was against uh cunning ruck oh no which if you're not aware if you don't follow aos closely which like i was only aware because i've just started reading about this sort of thing mm. like i never played against it before but it's um it's a the short version is it's like Some three <laughs> blocks no it's four blocks of 30 orc savage Arab boys, orc araboys yeah. um so and they each shoot twice i think so it has mm. 240 shots a turn and no hang on they each shoot once but the cunning rock thing is they can either move or shoot in their hero phase as well yes they so. also get minus one rend against monsters mm. and you can cast spells on them that let them fly Mm. so it's just shooting the game basically yeah so there wasn't and what was interesting about this though is this particular uh mode was one where only heroes can capture objectives which is actually kind of interesting mm. so the most interesting things that happened in this game because it wasn't a total wash mm. but things like the changeling slowing them down and trying to assassinate heroes so they couldn't actually cap anything was an interesting thing but like I tried to hide my Lord of Change, put him right at the back of the back of the board, as far away as possible from all of them. Right, and uh, because he can obviously deploy his entire army in one go, he's always going to get the first turn. It doesn't matter how many drops I have, really. Sure. Like I have twelve one drops, drop which is insane. Yeah. But like it was a one drop army, so it's down. And then his first turn, he casts Fly on one of the Savage Orcs, so they can then fly. Like mm. they have like a ten inch flying move. So they just ten inch flying move over a building in front of the Lord of Change. And then they delete the Lord of Change, like, yeah. gone, just dead. Like, minus one round against monsters, he's shooting he's 30 times. weak against shooting as well. Yeah, really weak against shooting. So he's just gone. And then, um, and then, sort of, I played a sort of interesting retreating game. I won't dwell on this one too much. Um, but what was interesting, one thing it highlighted to me, actually, is, so, um, my army is good against, so, my spells, specifically, are often very 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 good against single wound infantry units that rely on their saves mm. to persist through yes. battle that don't have a mortal wound save like fire slayers do have a mortal wound save one of the reasons i struggle to shift them yeah yeah so um if you have even if you have so my ideal is like something like free gun spearmen where they do have a like they have a save they can mm. try and save stuff but they only got one wound and they have don't have great morale so they die very quickly to mortal wounds sure. um i also struggle a bit against small units with multiple wounds mm. because often a lot of the best anti-horde spells roll one dice for every model in the unit yes so units are liberators but that's a bit of a 50 50 for me mm. because they do output a lot of mortal wounds so ultimately there's only 10 mortal wounds in that unit the reason savage orcs are so difficult is they basically don't have a save the thing they're like mitigating thing that balances them out about a bit is they have a six up save right however they each have two wounds uh, okay so yep. that group of 30 yeah. is 60 mortal wounds they're 60 even, wounds they're to not take. Even very expensive and like i do a, i do a lot of mortal wounds yeah. but i can't shift them because yeah. i'm not killing enough for battleshock to do stuff so it's a really like because because the whole this is the interesting flip side to mortal wounds is yes they ignore saves hmm. but if you have a unit that's balanced against the fact that it's save save is rubbish then yeah it's a much less of a big deal hmm. but so it's a part of the game right like i don't it wasn't particularly fun hmm. but i figured out something that i think isolates i think my problem with aos shooting at least in part we've talked about this we've talked about in the context of our own games yeah i think it's not so much shooting being what it is because 40k has its own solution to this with only being able to shoot the nearest target in a lot of cases or mm. only if only only the heroes nearest target heroes, yeah but that's been you know horribly abused by the competitive scene for 40k now and you know mm. is is a rule that can be twisted 
I think for me, now that I've realized I'm primarily like a narrative player, it comes down to the mind's eye sense of what is happening. And you actually touched on this when I was talking about the game earlier. Yeah. It's so being able to split fire is, I think, a very gamey thing Mm. and a very anti-theme thing for certain armies. When I say split fire, I mean, you've got your block of uh, arrow boys. As the player, you can take these eight will shoot this target. These 12 will shoot these target and the remaining 10 will shoot this target. Mm. You can do that. That's that's the rules of the game. What that leads to is a lot of maths. Like the experience of playing against this is because obviously you can shoot my heroes, but my heroes don't have very good saves and, and stuff. Um, my opponent, who was good at the game, and this is what being good at the game looks like, was figuring out mathematically how many mm. arrows he needed to assign to each of my heroes to basically prevent me from winning the game in a single turn. Yeah. Because if he can kill, if he, you know, my instinct is all of these arrows are going to shoot those guys. Mm. But actually the way you play the game is you go, well, in order to get five damage through, I need to shoot on average 15 times. So I'm going to roll 15 of these dice into that guy. Mm. And mathematically, every single hero in your army is either going to be on dead or on one health because they don't just all shoot in one direction. And this creates this weird sense of being sort of ambushed by like spec ops orcs <laughs> that like just double tap key targets. Just flying and then, yeah. yeah and, flying I, and, just... and I can't imagine how that works. It, it feels like mm. so. And that was what I, I think maybe they've, by having that be a universal principle, they've almost limited the design space of the game a little bit mm. because being able to split fire would be a really interesting special ability for like judicators or elves or something who well, I can imagine really disciplined. Yeah, yeah. Like it's something you can imagine elves doing, right? Like hmm. the sort of Legolas thing of like these precision archers that can target specific people in a unit. Whereas you have these sort of like most naked sort of war painted orcs that fight with that kind of precision. So not only is it is a kind of, it's a weird play experience because you just don't do anything for a bit. Like if yeah. you think my hero phase is passive, you have to watch them do the maths of how they're going to pick you apart. Yeah. And it takes a while because you've got to figure it out. And you know, they have systems for like writing down a little note and leaving it next to the unit. Like mm. 14 are going here, 16 are going here and they roll the dice for each one and it's buckets of dice. So you just mm-hmm. wait and just wait to find out how many saves you roll. And then, but they've figured it out. So it almost, it doesn't matter. Like you are rolling dice, but it's like, yeah, you're unless you get a miracle process, right? roll, it's not mm. makes doesn't make huge odds. So like they might as well roll the dice. Yeah, it becomes very <laughs> mathy, right? Yeah, like, sure. and um, there's not a lot of decisions to make. So, and and also it becomes a hard experience to sort of um, you can't story imagine it. your way yeah. through. You know, comparing that story to the previous story, right? Where it's like mm. have this both games I lost. And I'm happy to lose if it's like the former case. Yeah. And I was happy to lose anyway because it was just like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, sh-. yeah. Well, actually, I thought I might have a decent chance because the Siege is good against Hordes. Yeah. But as soon as I realized that they both have two, every model has two wounds, mm. it became this huge, like. It's, it's one of those edge cases where you have to build an army to beat it. You have to design an army to beat a cunning rock, basically. Which is what you do if you want to win a tournament. Yeah, exactly. And that's fine. I get that. And I'm not there to win the tournament. Yeah, but yeah, sure. I was I was sort of struck by like, it felt like playing a different game. And that's mm. maybe a point to return to. Like, yeah. It was like, oh, okay, this isn't the game I'm playing. And and I had my Matt, the friend that I went with, had an interesting experience. And I think his first game was against a very competitive player and went on to do well. Who was a super nice guy, but basically just said like, you can take one look at Matt's army and know he's going to win. Mm. And you know he's going to have one by turn two because the game is not balanced for anyone to be anyone based on points value. It's balanced for competitive lists to have games against competitive lists. Yeah. So, you know, he basically said, I'm going to win this, but if you want me to explain stuff as we go let me know <laughs> right which is him actually not being a dick yeah sure, it's sure, true because sure. it's better than pretending that you have a chance yeah, yeah like, i suppose <laughs> yeah. 
Um, uh, it's a little bit sad though, isn't it? Yeah. To travel all that way and bring your army in for that to happen. You have to go what you're going in for, I think that's the yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, so I won't, I won't spend ages on the other games, but there were some interesting moments. So my second, my third game was the first one I won. And that was against all spider fang grots, mm. which was like three huge arachnorock spiders and like armies of spider riding goblins yeah, yeah. and nothing else. Mm. And it turned into this sort of like monster mash slog, basically. Right. It turns out fire really good against spiders, just <laughs> setting them on fire left and right and center. What was the uh, scenario? Um, it was one of the new ones. And the only thing they messed up is, it's the only scenario you play long ways down the board. Okay. There's two objectives, mm. one in each territory, and capturing your opponent's one is worth loads. Mm. So it is like a sort of tug of war because you're going across the long end, up and yeah, down the long weird. end of the board. Mm. Um, it was close, but it was a good matchup for me. One of the sort of, um, I mean, and the, the terrible morale of goblins mm. really helped my favor. Like, I, you know, set half a unit you know, of spider riders on fire, the rest leave. Right. Like, that was just, you know, the way that goes, Pretty right? Yeah. That's, that's right. Like, the Ragnarok spiders do shitloads of damage. And it, the only kind of, so there were two interesting plays. One is, I set up the changeling. Um, so this was, so a, a thing that will come back into play is destruction roll, where the destruction um, order ability is, each hero gets to roll a dice during the hero phase. Yeah. On a six, they can kind of pick a unit near them to move for free hmm. or themselves. Um, so I place the changeling right at the back, like between two arachnorock spiders. And obviously the changeling only gets revealed if he's within three inches of an enemy hero during the end of their hero phase. Yeah. And most armies can't move in their hero phase. So I placed him like four inches away from two different arachnorock spiders. Yeah. Sort of gambling that they don't either, neither of them get their destruction roll. Yeah. Right. Um, one of them did, but I, and my opponent was obviously super happy about this because he just ate the changeling. Like one Arachnorox <laughs> spider just turned around and ate the changeling. However, that was kind of like, not, not just as a bit of dice zinch. That was full on, like all according to plan mm. because he had a huge wave of spider death, basically. And that one thing meant that one of the Arachnorox spiders didn't arrive at the time, same time as the other two. Yeah. So by the time that Arachnorox spider had kind of finished eating the changeling, turned around and come back. One of the Ragnarok spiders was dead. The other was almost dead. Mm. And it was too late for it to do anything. And the Lord of Change was still fine. Right. And that basically won me the game. That and um, basically the Screamers, the hero Screamers, basically just fought spiders forever <laughs> until they got 20 inches from his backfield objective. He would pulled everything off his backfield to charge me. Oh, and and I committed a Destiny 4 so okay. that they could run. Yeah. And they can go 20 inches. Oh, and nice. I just backcapped his objective yeah, from nice. nowhere. Yeah. And he looked at me like, you bastard. Like, <laughs> they can fly just, as well. Yeah, they're flying yeah. manta rays and they've stolen everything. your home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's nice. That's nice that was like one of my first like wins. I was like, yeah, I got, I got this. Yeah. Like, but it was an interesting game because in, his army was super interesting as well. So it was like... Yeah, yeah that's a really... Un, un, uh, very themey as well. Just like yeah. demons versus spiders. I, mean, I don't know what that theme is, but yeah. It's cool though. Yeah, it's a cool thing. Um, fourth game was interesting was against iron jaws so mm. it was against big chunky orcs i fought a lot of destruction this is the theme right yeah and i guess this is, but they've changed hugely um mm. with general handbook too they used to be like their movement used to be insane but isn't it's far more sensible and interesting now well let <laughs> me tell you a story about iron jaws okay. movement so iron jaws are the new kind of like big orcs and heavy armor kind yeah. of thing they're supposed Medieval. to be quite slow interesting matchup because this was a um i had a plan for this was the first game of the second day mm. and you know we went out for dinner the night before I went out, me and Matt were talking about it because we know what they said what the scenarios were going to be. So we know what the plan is. I knew what my plan was. And it's, a, it's called Scorched Earth. I think it's the most interesting of the new scenarios. Yeah. However, it's possibly the only one that needs fixing. 
But only oh, because... it's all about breaking uh, objectives. Yeah, mm. so you have three objectives on each side. Um, holding them in your own territory is worth like one point. Mm. Um, holding them in your enemy territory is worth one point. However, when you capture them, you can either choose to hold it or to burn it. Mm. If you burn the objective, you get D3 victory points, but it's gone then. Oh, interesting. So you, can, uh, you can't burn your own either you have to you can only that's burn your opponent's objectives yeah mm. and that's an interesting interesting dilemma because yeah. obviously if you can hold it for multiple turns then over time it becomes a lot more worth a lot more than than um burning it but it means that stepping off an objective for a while is also a huge risk because if your opponent can nip in and burn it then it's mm. so on paper it's a super interesting thing the reason it's uh, it's had its flaws exposed is because there's a there's a corn list that is extremely fast mm. and thanks to the new horde rules can burn your objective super fast at which point you don't have a game Okay, because if they get first turn, the game's over. Okay, because they will run thirty inches, burn all your objectives, and the game is over. All right, like hmm. so, they might need to. So the suggestions, so people house rules it, for example, that you can't burn on the first turn, and or moving the objectives back six inches because right. the objectives are almost at the furthest edge of your deployment zone. But I went into this game with a genuine plan. Like I thought about it using my brain. Yeah, and my plan was to build, as you have experienced, Zinch Castle mm. in basically between two of them on my side of the board, and sort of sack the other one a bit yeah but basically like build a fortress because i know that they're going to hit hard but be slow basically yeah that i can shoot out of and park all of my screamers on the other one that they will sit there basically mm. and the screamers job is to sit on one of my objectives and if the opponent goes for it in force run away and cap one of theirs yeah and if they don't go for it in force um just sit there basically or then come in and be a nuisance you know mm. but like get some points early and then be ready to respond because screamers are so fast what happened was kind of nuts um he had lots of units of five big orc men and one big unit of 10 in the middle mm. um i think he succeeded three destruction rolls for them in the first turn yeah i'm guessing they'll probably be brutes and yeah they can they can roll to get extra movement in their hero phase i think yeah mm. so he got um, but it was this weird thing where they got kind of like shot out of a hero cannon where because I think he got two sixes and then the general gets the destruction move on a four up. Okay. He moved them three times during the hero phase mm. and then moved them a fourth time. Maybe it was twice during the hero phase and again during the okay. activation phase. They are very fast. <laughs> and then he made an 11 inch charge. Yes. Okay. That's unfortunate. <laughs> so that was, um, they moved uh, like like 40 inches or something. It was insane. It was just. Iron Jaws can do that though. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. And, but it was one of those like, oh, sh surprise. Yeah. And then, and then this is the thing that goes both ways. Um, they did exactly enough wounds to completely kill a unit of pink horrors and the herald standing okay. next to them, mm. which meant I had nothing left. So, um, to shift them with, and they did that before I could fight back. So I hadn't hurt any of them. So they immediately burned the objective that was in the center of my territory on turn one. Mm. And it was a super interesting game from there and it's kind of close, but it was such a huge deficit to come back from because you also got three victory points for that so right. it was like yeah. i'm at a huge deficit and now i'm not defending anywhere mm. like i'm just i've got half you know two halves yeah. so then he sort of charged all of my um screamers with one half of his army and charged everything else with the rest the and then he did win this one in the end and it was an interesting but it was an interesting you know mm. uh sort of um matchup but it was like fighting from a huge back foot in a way mm. and you know i don't so I don't begrudge the army that like I enjoy just sometimes just popping off and charging you makes complete sense thematically. Yeah. It's just that the, um, the amount of damage that does in terms of the, the way the scenario is one is possibly a little bit mm. risky. Like it's clear they didn't design it so that you can be put at a game losing deficit just right, right, right away basically. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, 
because I have to get into his territory. Also, I mean, he could play very safe. He could sit on his own objectives because mm. he didn't have to overcommit. Yeah. Because he's sort of winning by default then. Like, if we just sit for the rest of the game, yeah. you've got he to wins. come on to him. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um, so, um, but we had some really interesting, really interesting moments. One was the changeling very, very, very almost killed his boss, his big orc boss, with his own weapon. <laughs> right. Which was like the turn he that revealed himself, he charged, which was great. He got into one wound left. Ooh. And then the Gaunt Summoner just sniped him from across the map. <laughs> like, nice. like just an arcane bolt, just like, fuck you. Yeah, I've, um, <laughs> I was fighting Chimp and he was playing Iron Jaws and I one shot his Orc War boss with, uh, a Fated Arrow. Nice. Star Fated Arrow. Yep. Sad time. Orcs don't <laughs> like that. The other thing yeah. is, and I actually almost, so I got into a point at the end where I could almost pull it back into a draw mm. because the Lord of Change just went fucking ham. Right. Like just, I mo- basically I could have maybe done it if I'd, if I'd committed him a turn earlier, but I was a bit nervous about doing it. Yeah. But he just went on rampage, basically up one side of the board, then across the side of the board, just mm. eating orcs, like Amazing. putting them in space. Like you want to go into space? You want to go to space? Like all the way across the board, managed to burn two objectives. And if I'd rolled, wow. if I'd rolled, uh, if I'd gotten D3 points for both, the three points for both oh, of them, okay. I would have equalized on points mm. on the last turn. Mm. But I got like a one and a two. So it was like, oh, well, that fine. Yeah. But it yeah. was, it, there was, it was in shot, but it was a, such a deficit from the beginning. But it was an interesting game because it's just like, yeah, the army was an interesting matchup. It was a cool game. It was yeah. just the, uh, the, the pure kind of maths hammer of like, you basically can't win this now because, mm. Well, I can sit here forever, but if yeah. you move, I'll move. And if you don't move, you lose. So it was sort of a weird situation. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like that needs tuning. That's not a little bit. Yeah. Most places have, have um, house ruled it. House ruled it now. Mm. So the final one, and I appreciate that it's been a big bit, but it's an interesting set of yeah, issues sure. within the game. And the reason the last one was so interesting is in a way it wasn't a learning experience. It was a using knowledge experience because <laughs> right. it was against Stormcast. Mm. You played so, some Stormcast. I've played some Stormcast. <laughs> um, and so he had some things that, Stormcast player and he had some things that you don't have mm. or so you you have a castellant now he had a castellant mm. he had star drake nice um but otherwise it was stuff i'm quite familiar with massive block of retributors yeah fulminators uh reactor with lightning chariot mm. judicators classic things like that right and i you know and but also he wasn't running any battalions so mm. we're in the situation he was you know he was going to get to choose the first turn because um I had like 13 drops in my army. So yeah. everyone got to choose the first yeah. turn against me. But um, I asked him, so like at the beginning of the point phase, so like, you know, uh, which things are going in space? And he's like, oh, I don't put anything in space. It's really bad. Mm. I was like, oh, really? Like, I didn't. And it, <laughs> Good luck with like, that fella. Yeah. Good luck with that. I was that. like, so, and he's like, yeah, you need them for the objective. So I'm not going to do it. Right. And maybe that's how he feels against some armies. Mm. But I felt like telling him like, don't do that against me. Don't do that against me. Mm. But then I figured, well, what he might do is give me the first turn and have this huge line. Cause obviously it is unreliable, right? Yeah. He can be screwed. If for example, his retributors don't come down for, for mm. two turns. Yeah. Can happen. But what happened is what this means is I didn't have to play against him. Like I play against you mm. where the entire deployment is about creating now the Stormcast at the anti Stormcast bubble yeah. around the, the heroes that mm. can just be annihilated by them. Definitely. Because if you get, you know, a whole bunch of star soul maces into the Lord of change, Lord of change is going it's to game, die. Game over. Like, yeah. yeah, like, or into anything really. Or if fulminators come down and start causing a huge problem on the flank, because I'm mm. like that, we'll, we'll obviously cover this subject. In the the threat thing. just changes the way that you have to... Yeah. Suddenly, Pink Horror is a bubble wrap for other things, right? Yeah, They're rather not... than being a Vanguard force. Yeah. What it may be to do is deploy in a line, mm. basically, like a ready to shoot, and essentially picked a flank and was ready to fight for that flank. Mm. 
I can't really remember exactly what the objective was. It was the one where things come down. It was Gift from the Heavens, the new Gift from the Heavens, yeah. where stuff falls from space. Yeah. Um, and, um, and then he took the first turn, which is interesting, and just, um, and I used the changeling to slow down the retributors. So yeah. they couldn't go very quickly. Slow already. But he chose to lightning chariot them. Yeah. Just forward in a straight line. Hmm. Um, so they have to go to nine inches away from an enemy unit. They I do. Think. Yeah, yeah. With lightning chariot. So they got to nine inches away. And they made the charge, the nine inch charge and oh, got in. Nice. Got into some pink horrors. Um, but like I deployed a little better. They couldn't, they couldn't really kill, they didn't kill the pink horrors. Cause that, that usually goes that way. I find like it, it's mm. a bit of a toss up whether retributors do wipe them out straight away. Um, yeah, you'd hope they would, but pink horrors have a knack for, yeah, they didn't, on. which is the risk, right? Like yes. I think, I think he just made the nine inch charge, if I remember right. So he couldn't get all of his right, things. Okay. So it's like most of his star soul maces were there, but like, yeah. it wasn't like the insta death that it sometimes is. Yeah. If it, a couple of them, those lightning hammers explode, then that's yeah. your unit dead. But if it doesn't happen, then yeah. And yeah. then the, um, and then Star Drake came charging up the board mm. and, uh, his fulminators came charging up the board and he's left his judicators behind on the objectives because they can still shoot everything. Yeah. You know, fine, or ready to claim the objectives, I, I mean. Um, but the Star Trek didn't make its charge, but that's not unlikely because he was running across the middle of the board. Like mm. it was still a 10 inch charge or something to make it in. Yeah. Same with the Fulminators. Um, and then the, the Retributors did a lot of damage. Um, but then it was my turn. And then because of the way AOS works, then it was my turn again. Mm. So I got a double turn. Yeah. And, um, it was interesting. It was an interesting guy to play against because he was obviously, he was trying to be super nice about it, but he was, he was visibly frustrated with every every inch of his body basically it was like that kind of slump of like <laughs> yeah I know you and you know sort of telling me in low voices about how he'd rather just have a proper game why is it mm. like this you know why am i being so passive and obviously i feel sympathy for that because i think aos is a game where there are periods of passivity where your mm. opponent just gets to do stuff yeah it's, it's you know particularly different, different armies come online in different phases and different things happen and actually there were a moment like i thought i'd been clever i'd kept the screamers back to attack his um star drake because they do d3 damage against monsters which oh, yeah. felt like a big deal yeah. uh, but at that point he it was only then that i discovered that because he put the castellant buff on it he had a one up save against everything they do well but i mean uh, ones, ones always, always fail yeah but he didn't roll but any still, ones so okay, like i did yeah, nothing basically i yeah. thought that was the thing but then i got the double turn and that meant that he had two turns of being hit by every spell mm. in my arsenal twice. So killed the Star Drake, decimated the Retributors, yeah. killed one Fulminator. Mm. And obviously that's that's an unpleasant experience watching your army get melted. Mm. But I felt like he had completely given it to me by not putting anything in space, which meant I couldn't didn't have to deploy defensively. I had everything in position to just fire in a straight line. Yeah. And by uh, not giving me the first turn. Because if he gives me the first turn, I am out of range with everything. Yeah, yeah it's pretty I just do not spells for a so turn. Short range, aren't they? Eighteen inches. And then, um, and then he he he's basically basically if he gives me the first turn, this can't happen. Mm. You know, because either he gets a double turn, in which case I'm in serious trouble. Yeah. Or, um, it goes back and forth, in which case I can't. You know, he's going to do a load of damage. Like mm. that Star Drake is going to rip something important apart. Whereas I just nuked it to pieces, but mm. I needed two turns to do it. Like I couldn't do it in one turn. Yeah, if you give away that first turn, you've got to anticipate the double turn. Like you've just got to anticipate it. Like yeah, and that's say, you know, that's, that's, and I get that. It's a, it's a weird thing about AOS. But it, what was interesting mm. about it was a. I think you know, I kind of was talking to the guy about it afterwards. It's like I feel like I won this game because I played against so much against Stormcast. Like mm. I knew how to. As soon as I knew I had this advantage, 
in deployment. Yeah. It's like, this is, this is how you get a winning position from this. But also it was like, it was interesting because the whole experience made me very aware of both the kinds of games I want to play, like story games, exciting games where, where things happen between players with similar attitude, yeah. also the kind of opponent I want to be. Like I put a lot of effort all weekend into just being hopefully fun to play with, mm. like trying to be upbeat, like trying never to be too down about dice or yeah. or never to gloat if something goes really my way or, you know what I mean? Yeah, or, yeah. And to try and be, because I think iOS has these big periods of passivity mm. to be animated through the entire thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like to be involved, even if I'm not doing anything. Uh, and I think it's a weird thing because I think there are weaknesses in the way the game is designed that create periods of passivity for players. Yeah, I think that is a problem with it, actually. Um, especially when it comes to complex phases, um, like magic and shooting, where one person just rolls dice for 20 minutes and the other person literally has nothing to do with it, really. Yeah. Um, and there aren't any interesting decisions being made on the part of the person defending. Uh, so the person, like... It's a fun game for one person, but for the other person, it's just like, oh, just go sit down. <laughs> You've literally got to make your own fun. That's the thing. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I kind of, like, against the cunning ruck, I was trying to, like, still be leaning over the table, still kind of going, like, okay, how many saves am I rolling? Like, mm-hmm. just anything to kind of, cause, because also, like, it's it's a thing, right? Like, war gamers can be quite quiet and reserved mm-hmm. and kind of, in you know, not only are there, are there, are, there are mechanics within the game that encourage people to just roll their dice for a bit and tell their opponent what the result is, mm-hmm. but you get people who don't necessarily, like, won't won't engage unless engaged with or, right you know what i mean like trying to like i'm sort of aware of particularly when it comes to event warhammer like the skill that is making the game fun for both players yeah it's the reason they have sportsmanship awards mm. you know like i think it's an underrated thing it's weird that the game requires that yeah way. i think which is down to its design as well like, yeah that, totally and especially when it comes to like spellcasting stuff like a lot of the roles just aren't of significance like i almost wouldn't mind if all spells just happened if you know what i mean like like having to roll for every single spell for its possibility like it's not an interesting role if it fails nothing drastic happens like so you know what i mean so one thing that i came to a better understanding was was how magic functions so uh, we spoke about this earlier but Mm. um our armies are in extremes in which i have an extreme amount of magic and you have extremely none at all, Literally not even dispels. Nothing. Whereas, like, most of the armies have something. Yeah. And that becomes a much more interesting... Choosing what to dispel with your one dispel is an important Yes, decision. and also um, knowing there are effects that trigger off dispels. There mm. are things that happen that... The you know, whole things my army can do. The changeling can steal spells, so can the Lord of Change. Yeah. It's never going to happen. It's a really cool rule, which will never happen in our matchup just because mm. of the specific the, the, way that they the work. Armies, yeah, sure. So, like, I, you know, I would say this, that, like um against things like a lot of the destruction armies that have like really powerful buff spells having the changeling in the back line mm. able to pick one thing to try and dispel every turn added a really interesting dynamic yeah because then my opponent had to try and work around the changeling do you kill him mm. and spend time doing that do you hope he doesn't dispel the thing that you really need this turn yeah like there is a like there's a game there yeah, I yeah. almost wonder if one of the other ways to do it is to just merge everything into magic. Mm. Because that's the weird thing is like at the moment you have rituals and abilities yes. that don't interact with my stuff at all. So, <laughs> right. you know what it's I mean? Two like, games, isn't it? Yeah, it's like you play your thing where lightning chariot and, and duting at scenery and stuff that functions like spells but is aren't spells. And it's pretty much all about Yeah, it, it, and it's just me playing my own game in my own turn, yeah. isn't it? And then uh, it's my turn so, and I do my thing. Whereas yeah. with other armies, like if everything is magic, then things like dispels are a consistent mechanic. Mm. So your hero should have them as well. Mm. Like, and then it's more of a thing. I th- I, basically, I guess what I'm saying is I agree with you, but I think it's very pronounced in our matchup yes. and therefore pronounced in the games that we're specifically playing. 
Yeah, um, I, I guess the the hope is like we were talking about in the combat phase, the, the the changes to the combat phase and the activations idea is is brilliant because both players are playing in the combat phase. Yeah, whereas both players aren't playing in the magic phase and movement phase is still like really important like uh, movement phase like it's really important to see what the, where your opponent is moving so you, you've got to be engaged and you know even if you're not moving yourself like it's important for you to be there whereas it feels like with like magic and shooting you just don't <laughs> um though you're right it is pronounced in that particular matchup like the sheer amount of just dicing um like it could be like 20 minutes of dicing for a zinch army because zinch is so magic heavy understandably and it feels like if you're going to design a game why would you cut out the other player for that that amount of time? Yeah, uh, I mean, perhaps things should be just simpler to cast, and perhaps a lot of the interactive rules should be simplified so it's quicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't have any objection to like what those spells do or anything. I think like it's, it seems is really interesting, but it's almost like the actual executing that stuff feels like it could be yeah. somehow faster. Or well, it's weird. Like, and then you know when things go wrong, it's less pronounced because it's only happening to one player. Mm. Like. I tell you what, what we should do actually, I think maybe um, for the sake of kind of folding this discussion in, is incorporate the battle we just played into this chat. Yeah, because it has a lot to say about it. Because you just played against my mm. kind of tournament army for the first time with with one change. Because yeah. that sorcerer lord, he's, he's well dead. He's a Celestin. Well, he's a Castellan now. He's a Castellan. He's been reforged. Yeah. yeah, he's been reforged as a Lord Castellan, uh, which is now in your army. Mm. But it's pretty much the army I brought. Yeah, to to blackout. And um, it's probably not worth us doing a full battle report this episode because mm. we didn't get have time to play a full game. We played two turns yes. of 2,000 points. It was close. I think it would have been a really close game, actually, yeah. if it had gone on uh, a bit further. But it was an interesting one because um, I'll put the beat-by-beat photos and stuff from the game in the show notes so you can see how this worked out. But yeah. we played a 2,000-point game on a four-foot-by-four-foot four board, which is a small space anyway. Yeah, true. Uh, with the open war cards, which randomly generate scenarios. We talked about it 40K before, and it mm. seems to work just as well for AOS. Um, which meant we opened with your retributors three inches from my pink. <laughs> yeah. So we were ready to smash it up like minute one of the game. Yeah, it was quite exciting. And you got the first turn, which was genuinely a roll-off because we have the same mm. number of drops. So it's based on who won the roll-off, basically. Yeah. I won it, which meant that I finished deploying second. Mm. No, hang on. You would have had it anyway. Yes, you would have had it anyway. So you would have won the first turn. And so what that really meant was the first turn of the game was... Vast numbers of retributor mortal wounds mm. going into some pick horrors. Yeah, but, but that's not a bad place for those wounds to go into for you. Not at all. Uh, um, not at all. What I'm, but what I'm saying is, like, it was a bit uh, not in a bad way, but it was very AOS. It, it was very um, I do my thing, you do your thing. Yes, opening right. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like a wall of retributors hit a wall of chaos warriors and there was a fight. Right. It was like your mortal wound yeah. tank does, you know, does mortal wounds here, and then my my force wakes up. Yeah. And does mortal wounds back, right? Mm. That was kind of how it opened. Yeah. Um, but there was, there was some really interesting, um, sort of moments in terms of, like, as soon as I saw where you deployed your retributors, I just assembled, like, rows upon rows of collapsing demon yeah. things between you and the Lord of Change. Like, you're not getting to him quickly. Like, Which I was quite happy with because all I wanted to do is pin you in the corner and stop you from having the objectives. So the objectives were, uh, we both placed, got to place two objectives at the very start of the game. Mm. And they were quite well spread out because they have to be a certain distance apart. Um, so to cast, for you to castle up in a corner, like I accept that stuff will die there. And I don't, but I don't need that point. You know, that, that's what I concluded is that, um, okay, I can grab that point and get an advantage early, but I've got stuff coming in from space later that can back cap. And I'm fairly confident that I'll probably grind out a win based on that. So it was fun to put the retributors there. And it was sad to watch them die, but it took your entire army to kill them, which is 
kind of a, a good thing to greater use. proportion of it yeah yeah it's a good way to use retributors because they're just 30 wounds behind a three uh four plus save three plus actually with a mm. castellan and as a distraction almost and you can't ignore them like yeah um like uh really good units uh are the ones that can't be ignored and mm. you've got yours as well and uh, like you can't ignore the order of change like if, if your order of change is like moving around more i'd have had to think more about like what i was doing like i feel yeah like, but i couldn't risk that while you still have stuff in space yes that's true because you know yeah which is why you put stuff in space it's not yeah because exactly. you know you, you, that, that threat is always going to i had to build a like, fortress around him until the point where you'd reveal yeah. the prime and the fulminators yeah so um that's that's the really cool thing like about having stuff in space it changes your opponent's behavior because they can't just dangle out their really powerful units because they they might get smashed um but yeah it was, it was actually it was an interesting game um i think like for both of us it was just because the nature of our nature of our armies like there was lots of downtime <laughs> almost in the turns mm. which is one of the reasons why we only got two turns in it's because so much of our stuff was just doing you know automatic stuff that they do and it did highlight a little bit of a weakness in the, the design of the game like, for me mm. uh that you know um it, yeah for we've got like an unusual mismatch in terms of magic versus non-magic yeah but that shouldn't exist really like there should be a system that's what i mean if, yeah, if magic yeah. was a universal thing yeah, like if, yeah. if the stormcast stuff was magic mm. so i had a chance to dispel some of it but also you were engaging with my spell casting it feels like my relicter should be able to dispel stuff right yeah. like he's a he's a weird but it, in thing. a way but it also feels like wizard. i should be able to attempt to dispel lightning chariot yeah right definitely and, and yeah like, risk like, exposing the change i do agree yeah. you know what i mean like yeah, if i could sure. if i could reveal the changeling mm. in order to gamble on dispelling lightning chariot on a, cru- at a crucial moment then suddenly we're playing the game. Suddenly, yeah. like there's that interaction. I mean, yeah. what's the difference between lightning chariot and a spell? Well, Tell me yeah. that. Yeah, I, I don't understand why they they are different. Like, I don't mm. understand why. I mean, it's it's great for me because you know I can cast spells that can't be dispelled. But I mean, I'd rather that there's that interaction that you could dispel yeah. stuff. You know, because that then we're both involved in that turn, that phase of the game. Um, I mean, yeah, is each are, are an edge case because they're so magic focused and they've got mm. so much stuff, um, which is how they, they should yeah. be. I tell you what, like, it'd be interesting if, in the course of, like, adding in allies and things, if you mm. ally in some wizards. Oh, I like, certainly will. Because like, <laughs> yeah. it gives me some bonuses. Like, Lord of Change successfully yeah. dispels your spell. He knows that now. Mm. It's his now. Yeah, which is really, really cool. I've got a branch witch. Um, I'll probably, I probably um, field the mist weaver as mm. well as part of my allies. Uh, yeah. So a little allied contingent of, like, Sylvanethi, Elfie people to kind of do some spell stuff would probably make our games more exciting actually yeah i think i think we're a bit mono force at the moment as well yeah it's like it's it's you know each demons are weird but you've seen everything they can do now yeah but same for both of us isn't it mm-hmm. like you see the soul caster just they bop, can't bop, be bop, surprising bop, yeah bop, 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 <laughs> it's gonna start hammers and kill stuff yeah um and sit behind their their armor saves yeah yeah so maybe maybe it's not worth doing a full battle report simply because what, what i will do is i'll write something up for the show notes so yeah people are cool. curious from exactly how this played out but it was it was a, it was a fairly standard smash up between us although mm. i wasn't forgetting everything all the time so yeah it's definitely your arm is way better when you're remembering what it does to you. <laughs> yeah. uh, um and like you know i got through the retributors a little bit faster there yeah. was there was there was one you know miracle dice moment for me where um so i have a the way i've rebuilt my lord of change he's all in on spell casting now mm. he has more spells he also gets plus one to cast he also changes the result of as a lord of changes default ability is he lo- change he roll two dice to cast a spell and he changes the result of the lower dice to match the higher yes which is huge mm. really really Very really good. important also he rerolls all ones to cast mm. so he's very consistent like even casting things that are needed an eight or a nine or something mm-hmm. like you know you can do things like commit a four from the destiny pool and the other thing will always be four or higher yeah because of that however 
on a fairly crucial damage roll against the Retributors, I managed to roll double ones and then re-roll the double ones. Yeah. double ones. It's one of the only ways he can fail, really. But double twos. He hates double twos. Okay. He doesn't get to re-roll them. Yeah, okay, that's true. Um, can't match the other. Yeah. yeah, and then double threes are okay because they go up to seven with his plus one. So, yeah. But double twos is five, which is bad for a lot of things. Mm. Um, so that was just like one of those like, okay. But then that turn, I managed to just, one of the heralds just popped off and did six mortal wounds to your general. Yeah, just dead now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, no mortal wound save. So that was an interesting moment. But yeah, it was, uh, so this one was sort of, uh, fuzzily law based. People were following the ongoing clash between our armies. Mm. I sort of see this as your army charging deeper into Zinch territory and just fighting demons all the way. Yeah. Sans, my chaos sorcerer lord plus your castellan, castellan who didn't do a lot back. really just buffed people no, and failed to charge he gave an extra save to the retributors for the game his dog got much. beaten to death by the ogre yeah, so that was a bit it? sad yeah a giant a big a big moose killed the dog yeah although the relic that died this time without the ogre dying, actually, which is yeah, yeah. That's, that's a that's a swing that's a swing of fortune for uh, the ogre damage yeah so if you're keeping tra- if you're keeping if you're keeping uh track although we didn't finish the game so it feels a bit of a weird one to kind of to talk through to, to yeah think. i guess yeah there's no conclusion i it would have been interesting to see it play out i mean i think it could have gone either way honestly it depended on whether you were able to kill the prime and the formulators on that on the point once i back capped it mm. and i think you could have done with the mortal wounds output and i wasn't going to be killing the lord of change or any of your wizards anytime soon it would have been close it would have been, it, close, it would have yeah. been a further three turns of warhammer with <laughs> yes. a result at the end of five it. five hours later there might have been a result <laughs> yeah um but what we should do is is move on to talking about the hobby stuff we've done yes so you've had i've had a mental ho- ho- hobby month and i did loads and loads and loads and loads and loads and I did nothing at all so mm. let's start with you tom like what have you been up to i've not done a huge amount i've um, been painting up some wanderers actually which my friend chimp converted out of like three multiple kits and mm. just gave them to me because he didn't think he'd ever get paint them up um so yeah and painted them a kind of uh red and brown color scheme with like purple capes and i'm still not sure about the color scheme to be honest but it fits in with my dryads mm. it's the same kind of tones as my dryads and um it's gonna be interesting to run some old-fashioned tiny tiny models that uh, games workshop used to make before they switched to like dryad and stormcast yeah scale, whatever the fuck the scale is now which is a, just a different scale. 28 mil plus you put them next to each other and the the elves are just absolutely tiny <laughs> really really small uh, but it's been fun to paint some kind of matte colors matte effects uh after painting endless gold armor forever um it's been nice to you can get a lot more you can do a lot more with like a, just a nice red cloak than mm. you can with a, a gold like because gold is it's just a it's like a machine process you're saying you're getting a little bit tired of gold time a little bit but not that tired you, you know not as tired as i'd expect you know considering how much i've painted of it mm. and it's really nice doing the castle because i've got the gold down pat now like i just got it down like uh, i know all the different kind of layers that go into making it look good um and like half of my like a third of my army is is good because you know the gold is right and the other half is the half i did before i learned how to do gold (laughs) so um i kind of still want to buy a box of liberators and paint them up properly like how you know i would now as opposed to Mm. how i did when i first got the the box set Uh, but yeah it has been nice to do some red red cloaks and to be mixing colors there's lots more opportunities to mix your own colours when you're doing kind of matte cloth type textures. Uh, so I've really enjoyed doing that this month. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much been all I've painted, to be honest. Mm. I'm still workshopping colours for my birds, for my um, chicken rider things. Paladors. Paladors, <laughs> as they're called. Um, and also, uh, God knows what colour my Star Drake will be one day. But you know, You'll figure it out eventually. I'll figure it out by Christmas, hopefully. Yeah. I want my Star Drake to be painted by Christmas. 
It'll all be over by Christmas. Yes. So, Chris, what have you been painting? This? So, I've had a oh. I had a bit of a crazy one because I almost told the first part of the story earlier before we moved on to the blackout stuff. But mm. so I knew when we the last episode went up that I had a little ways to go getting ready for blackout. I needed to paint a unit of pink horrors, a unit of screamers, and a herald on foot, which I thought was okay. It was ambitious. It's fourteen models, but I was yeah. like, that's you know that's doable. Yeah, screamers are pretty quick. Pink horrors are, there's a lot of arms, but gribbly little pink men. Hmm. Um, so I, I got on it and I'd, I'd, you know, taken some time off from, from work and stuff for, and from stuff I've been working on. So, and then I started building the horrors, like just thing. And also I kind of like the idea of speed painting something because I tend to yeah. just come off the Lord of Change for one thing, right? Mm, like three yeah. and a half weeks on the same model. So it was like, you know, change your pace, change your pace. Um, and I'd bought a start collecting demons of Zinch box because I want everything else in the box. And I'm going to build that eventually. But I get the pink horror sprues out and I can't find the bases. I'm like, where are all the bases? And there's this rogue bag of 10 32 mil bases. But pink horrors come on 25 mil bases because both of the kits that I had had 25 mm. mil bases. All my pink horrors were on 25 mil bases and fall over all the time. It's at that point that I decided to go and consult the official size chart for AOS bases. Yeah. And guess what? Not all of my pink horrors, all 20 that I had already done, plus all of my flamers, so three of them, were all on the wrong size bases, which means they were tournament illegal. No, what? Which meant that I had most of my army was no longer legal for the Mm. tournament. So in two and a half days, I painted 10 pink horrors, I painted three screamers, I painted a herald on foot, and I rebased 23 other models. Oh my goodness. And honest to God, I, it was, I, like, don't do that. Brutal. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did learn some things, obviously, about how to do that quickly. Yeah. So I will go back to the new pink horrors. Like, I'm happy with the standard. And if you mix them in with the others, you can't tell yeah. really which ones are the ones that didn't have quite the love. Like, they're missing things like an extra highlight pass on bones and teeth and things like that. Hmm. Maybe an extra flesh highlight, but you don't notice too much with pink horrors because pink yeah. just doesn't, like pop hugely um or at least unless you go mega high mega contrasty and my others aren't mega high contrast so it kind mm. of it was okay mm. um and i i made some sort of sensible time saving things like a lot of them have that like a lot of my other ones have like that like lapis lazuli texture on braces and things yeah and i just did gold for mm. them because okay. you mix them in with the other units and it's just some of them have gold braces and some of them have blue yeah turquoise blade braces and it's fine because they're all in the same color scheme but, you know, they all get a sort of a, like a love pass, as will the screamers as well, just to kind of bring them up to standard. Mm. But, you know, that was just an exercise in, in speed painting, like just getting it done basically really fast, but to a decent, decent standard, I think. Like certainly tabletop, fine for tabletop and certainly fine for the type of unit they are. Yeah. Where I'm picking Big them up unit. by the handful anyway. Sure. Um, rebasing was an interesting challenge because initially I looked into things like base adapters. There are people who sell like plastic bolt-ons for 25 mil bases. Mm. So the reason this had happened is because demons used to be on 25 mil round bases in 40 K and all the kits I'd bought were older 40 K kits. And then they were changed to 32 mil rounds about two years ago, but apparently all the stuff I've been using was just older stock. Okay. So this was just me not knowing basically. Mm. And it, but it turns out every game we've ever played, my pink horrors are on the wrong size bases. So that's, you know, a thing. it's not a huge thing, but it's a thing. Um, I looked into adapters. I actually bought a bag of like MDF circles yeah. uh, to like blue tack them onto and asked the 
tournament runners can i do this but i really didn't want to do that they said yes but i didn't want to do it because i wanted to be in with the shot of making the paint the painting competition side of it i didn't in the end but the standard was so high it was it was really inspiring but it was definitely like okay Mm. but you know i knew that if a half my army was like blue tack to some mdf that was probably definitely wasn't gonna happen yeah um so i just went in to games workshop bought a shitload of 32 32 more bases and got to redoing them and the way i ended up doing it is because a pink horrors tend to be standing on one foot they're really hard to clip off Hmm. their bases they don't have they're very small contact points of anyway yeah so i used a pair of clippers so this is tip number one to cut the rims off the bases they were on so they're on like rough shaped bits of flat plastic then a file to file off the copyright games workshop bit of plastic on the bottom of the inside of the bases because that does create a wobbly connection and then plastic glue with quite a lot of plastic glue them onto 32 more bases at which point it looks terrible because you have a shard of a previously based base on top of something else and then using a mixture of astro granite and astro granite debris which is the thicker one Mm. to basically like plaster over the gap then repainting and and re-dry brushing the bases basically Mm. so it was a bit time consuming like so i watched every episode of rick and morty that existed (laughs) to that date and three and a half seasons of bojack horseman oh well in like a (laughs) <laughs> two and a half days mm. um so that's my other tip cartoons on netflix are quite good yeah, while you're playing because yeah, you don't need to watch them directly you can kind of absorb a lot of them and then look up every now and then yes but yeah. like i probably can't go back to bojack horseman for a while because it's a depressing show as it is mm, but now it's associated so, like i've got this kind of like weird uh, yeah. mental association between that and painting speed painting pink horrors yeah. um and but they've come out okay actually like mm. i think they look better for being on bigger bases and I put tufts to mask some of the more egregious lines. Stand and up as well. They stand up, yeah. And weirdly, having that, having them on like little platforms that have then been sort of like plastered over with texture paint means that they kind of look like they're standing on rocks now. Like right. it's not hugely obvious unless you stare at them, but mm. it worked basically. Yeah. It depends on what you want to do at your bases. My kind of wasteland bases help, but yeah. Mm. Um, and then after that, uh, for various reasons, one was pure burnout, like needed a break. The other was uh destiny 2 coming out oh yeah of course i'm playing destiny 2 and the other was then like one of the most insane work weeks i've ever had mm-hmm. meant that i haven't done a huge amount of other painting what i have done is i've built a skull keep so oh, a yeah. tower Looks a great. cool looking teeny tower it's not painted yet that's going to form the cornerstone for like a, almost like a custom scenario i'd like to do like almost like mm-hmm. a battle like a not a finale between our armies but like a finale between our armies in the current campaign yeah so i'm building a big chunky piece of terrain that is part is also going to be part of my armies on parade board mm. for my age of sigma so that's the next project is is doing that for the age of sigma stuff i want to go with scale so i've got a realm of battle board like one of the games workshop ones yeah i love that they're selling those in individual, individual packs. packs yeah it's a really good way to do it so this isn't compatible with the train the third party terrain board that i own but i got a specific tile which has got like a mad clock bursting from the ground on it because it feels mm. very zinchy yeah i'm gonna have a big tower on that and i'm just gonna cover it in my demons so i'm gonna paint it obviously but it's going to be a relatively simple like not a custom build so that's the next thing the other thing I've done a little bit of um, is um, so my I'm going to do a 40k armies on parade board. Armies on parade, if you're not aware, is the sort of display your army competition that runs once a year in games workshop stores around the country. So I'm going to enter both weeks in Bath on the AOS day. I'll have my Zinch Demons, and on the 40k day, I'm going to bring my Thousand Suns, my 30k Thousand Suns. Yeah, nice. And I'm going to build. I don't have as many of them. I've got some new models to add. I bought a because um, I was up in Nottingham for a friend's birthday, so mm. I went to uh, Warhammer World briefly. Um, bought some like a like a 30k standard bearer in mark 3 armor 
So I'm going to add some sort of like lieutenants, basically. Oh, cool. They're not going to be playable in Burning of Prospero, but they'll offset, you know, it's a nice yeah. thing. I've got some other things to think about adding. Um, but I'm going to more scratch build a build for that. And as part of that, I wanted to ground them a bit because I've gone back and forth, as I since I said on the podcast before, about how happy I am about because my painting style is quite cartoony i've discovered right mm. like i can obviously go gw house style a lot but like my demons like you know very aos i think aos informed the way i paint 40k or like 30k mm. the forge world house style which is very kind of like grounded is not quite like mine and i wanted to find somewhere between the two yeah. things and that i thought about rebasing my thousand suns but i didn't really want to do that but what i found is actually i picked up some forge world weathering powder mm. um and I've been applying that and I'll put some pictures in the show notes of, of sort of befores and afters. And I'm really liking the effect that it's had because it's sort of muted down the blue bases that I put my thousand suns on, which I did for contrast reasons, but actually maybe that's not quite right. And now I want to create the effect that they're kind of like walking through and sort of ashen sort of ruin, which mm. is Prospero, right? That's Tisca. Yeah. Um, and that's been quite effective and it's sort of muted the shiny red in the right places to kind of draw the eye up to the torsos and things. So, I mean, my first attempt using weathering powders and I'm probably not using them to their full potential, but it's been definitely a kind mm. of cool, a cool little experiment, just an experiment so far. Next month is going to be when that becomes a real thing. It's but good yeah. uh, textural contrast between the metallic and the, that, that kind of. Yeah. Ash basically. Ash yeah. And texture. It's a really nice. They offset each other quite well, I think. Yeah, mixing sort of a dark sand orangey dust mm. with the sort of marble fragments around the bases, uh, with black soot weathering powder in like splotches, like burn marks and things. Mm. And then it's Forge World Grey Ash, which felt like the right one to use because it's quite neutral. But the good thing is it sort of mutes the it lowers it basically lowers the contrast of the model with the way I describe it in the right places. Yeah. So I go like go a lot of concept art, and I love. It's the cover of A Thousand Suns by Graham McNeil, actually, is a piece of art where the Thousand Suns are kind of like marching out of like a cloud of ash mm. um, in defense of Prospero. And that's kind of the effect I wanted to create. And you can't create a kind of image composition like a piece of art, but they look a lot more like they're part of their environment now and, and a little bit less cartoony simply by virtue of having yeah. been weathered. And this will also mean painting sort of dings and scratches. So I started working on that technique as well. That's all also very early days mm. stuff so far. But yeah, it's uh, mm. it's an exciting thing. And I'm excited for Armies on Parade because it feels like um probably more my kind of thing than a big tournament actually. I'm kind of enjoying preparing for this. Yeah. So that's really cool. When yeah. when is Armies on Parade? It's the end of October. So actually it will be it probably next month's episode will be before armies on parade oh, so cool. like I'll, I'll have finished and hopefully i'll have some photos of, yeah, of yeah. what my displays will look like but um i decided to enter both because i i was going to go to another another event which sounds really exciting raw which is realms yeah. at war which is this narrative event at the end of october but doing that justice means making a big hobby commitment and i just don't think i have it in me mm. at the moment to do uh, to another huge pivot partly because of that speed painting experience which is like i want to take things a bit easier Mm. and i will be from now on so next month for me looks like obviously two armies on parade boards and a handful of models is ambitious but it's not it's not out rebasing yeah it's like i'm painting like three models and making some little bits of terrain cool my idea for the thousand suns thing just quickly before before we wrap up hobby is gonna be relatively simple like a kind of like a square with a kind of some sort of ruins in the center of it but i wanted to frame the thousand suns by giving the impression that they've been inside a kind shield which is now fallen mm. so i'm going to do a ring around them where it's sort of ashen ruin 
but then like blackened sort of smoldering embers are still hot oh, yeah, like it's... sort of almost like glassed you know from orbit planet around mm. the end because a kind shield is like the bubble shields they put up so the idea is that's just fallen kind of revealing this sort of like island of defenders yeah. yeah yeah that's cool which will hopefully look pretty cool so that's that's the idea what does your next hobby month looks like Tom? Uh, good question i mean i gotta do the star drake it's just got to be the next thing i'm going to finish the wanderers which will take a while because there's 10 of them and they're tiny um but after that it's going to be i'll probably do the chickens first then i'll do the star drake so it's going to be building vanguard painting vanguard and fielding vanguard uh and i might might buy some elves who knows who knows what will happen who knows anything could happen anything could happen yeah it'd be good to get some more units different units on the table as well yeah definitely it'd be fun to play with like a totally different army really to be honest mm. so I, i'm looking forward to i've still got some dryads to paint i've still got some kind of hunters i could put together as well mm. so it's going to be it's going to be a nice change oh also you got me um an errant quest of oh yeah well, World, i picked, I picked that nice. up um yeah yeah which is awesome uh it's a really cool model so i'll probably paint that up as well yeah it'd be nice to get some more more stuff in for yeah next month's game new stuff yeah particularly because if i finish all that terrain stuff then we will have mm. a final showdown over a big tower yeah who knows why not yeah. yeah that'd be good um we should do some questions let's do some questions we've got quite a lot of questions so we'll power through right so the first one came from discord and it, i literally copied it into my notes my like minis monthly notes mm. Sadly, without noting down who had sent in this, well, like put this question in Discord, or even if they actually wanted it answered. <laughs> well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer it anyway. Um, the question was, and apologies if I'm forgetting who exactly this was, um, make yourself known. I'll put it in the show notes or something. Um, which Space Marine chapter members would be your idea of a hot date? <laughs> which seems like uh, a salamander setup, right? Because they're nice and they set people on fire. Uh, yeah. But that's let's move past this i kind of easy i wanted to take this in a slightly different direction mm. which is like founding chapter by founding chapter mm. do you swipe left or do you swipe right okay okay yeah i always forget which is which dark angels uh so is right rejection or i don't i don't know either actually yeah I've, 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 I've been in a relationship the entire time <laughs> yeah, same yeah okay yes or no then. yes or no yeah. dark angels oh uh Too yes broody yes, yes. okay for, for a short fling i think okay yeah, yeah. so it's almost like shag Berry kill found first founding chapters <laughs> right okay so, uh let's do the shag dark angels second yeah, second yeah. chapter doesn't exist i'm not going to get all the numbers right so we'll just go through mm. well the, the non-existent i mean it's non-existent just... second chapter is whatever is in your mind so that's fine yes let's say yes for that then, <laughs> yeah, I suppose. pure onanism just like <laughs> um uh, third is third. ultramarines oh hang on you think about that i'm just going to pull up the list probably marry i think they'd be reliable stoic you know they'd be with you through the through the goods and the bads they'd always be ultramarines bit boring though um but yeah solid a solid marry if we're doing that i'll be right with you i just found the space-based df9 wiki for some reason okay I'm that good at googling things here hang on uh so that's i think the third hmm the internet will tell us Emperor's Children, sorry, third is oh. Emperor's Children. Oh, gosh, Shag. Shag. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> shag. Um, Iron Warriors. Avoid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> it's no need. Yeah. Yeah. Petarabo is like the least charismatic. Yeah, primer. for sure. Uh, White Scars. Ooh. I think I might marry the White Scars. Why would you marry them? They're muddy. Because you just know. jet off on a million bikes with like loads <laughs> of cans. Like... Is it Mad Max? Yeah. It feels like, it doesn't feel like a stable life, does it? It doesn't feel like a marriage. Out on the road, it seems kind of romantic to me. Okay, a marriage on the road. Life on the road, with you know. The white scars. Like, yeah. Okay, all right. Stay in any one place for long. Ride a bike. Like bikers. I don't know. White I'm scars. Gonna, yeah, white scars. Marry. Space wolves. 
Oh god, avoid. Avoid. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely avoid. Uh bestiality basically, isn't it? At that point. Yeah. There are no wolves on Femoris. Um Yiffing. Um Imperial Fists. <laughs> Ignore that name for a moment. Uh yes. Uh probably avoid actually. Yeah, you see, the sort of solid, dependable thing is almost uh, appealing yeah. until you get to the pain glove, which is the yeah. side of them that you're, you're not, not a pain glove. No. Yeah, so they're not really marriage material. Bit and, S&M. Yeah. And then shag for they're a bit serious you... for a shag, I think, yeah, possibly. Because yeah, yeah. then they go on to find like, the Black Templars, which are like, the least yeah, fun, yeah. right? Definitely avoid. Okay. Uh, Night Lords. <laughs> Night Lords. <laughs> are we just going to shag all the Chaos chapters? <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, that seems to be how it works, though. Yeah. That feels like... Uh, uh, okay. How it should work. Blood Angels. Ooh. Shag. Probably shag. <laughs> yeah. Blood angels. Yeah. It's a shag. Um, iron hands. Oh, avoid. <laughs> Definitely avoid. I mean, I'm collecting them, but I, yeah. I, I wouldn't marry or shag them. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fine. Uh, world eaters. Uh, what's their deal? What's their thing? They're just jerks, um, aren't they? Is that the... Well, it's angrons, right? They're just oh, it's angry. It's lot. corn. Oh, it's it's corn, right? Like they're much. on the eightfold yeah. path. Yeah, it is a bit much. Yeah. Uh, I think I think they're, they're in the they fall into the bracket which is not expressed in the Shag Maria Void um, system, which mm. is um, doomed two month relationship. Yes, I feel like that's where that's they fall for me. Where they right? yeah. be, bad yeah. relationship. But so the, the Night Lords would as well, but they'd be more fun, I think. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, sorry, thirteenth chapter, not third. Ultramarines, solid, dependable uh, marriage, I suppose. Marry, yeah. but I mean, I'd be bored. So I think I think the Ultramarines are the Space Marine chapter that your sibling marries, that you make polite conversation okay, with. Okay, yeah. Right. I can see that. I mean, uh, Rebuta Gulliman is just like John Cena in my head. So, oh, okay. Uh, I am oh, yeah, hmm. he's. He, but he, I mean, imagine he's just a very polite man. Who, who yeah, nice guy. Too. Yeah, yeah, he's a nice guy, right? Yeah. But you kind of get on with it. You have a beer with Rebuta Gulliman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You would, but do yeah. You, does, that, does that lead to but more? You, I don't know. That's what you're looking for. I mean, avoid is too strong. Maybe after too many relationships with the world eaters, you're like you're ready for an ultra ready for, <laughs> ready yeah. for reboot. Yeah. Fourteenth <laughs> uh, Legion, the Death Guard. Death Guard. Oh, avoid. Jesus. Yeah, avoid. Um, yeah, definitely avoid. They did uh, yeah. the whole thing. The whole spreading thing disease. Is STDs. Yeah. I mean, their thing was sort of like endless, endless, relentless marching, which means they kind of always get their own way. So mm. yeah, nah, not nah. for me. Fifteenth uh, Legion, Thousand Sons. Oh, marry. Oh, ooh, I'm in. Marry, I'm in. You'd marry. You'd, I'd marry a thousand sons for life. Yeah, I'm in. Like, so they have some issues with being know-it-alls. Um, yeah, that's fine. But they do things a little bit differently. They're proud of who they are. They're made of dust. Uh, they occasionally, t- well, they were made. They're made of dust now. They were made of. Uh, just turning his tentacles all the time. <laughs> That's the issue. Yeah, a yeah. Bit worrying. But they, they, Kinky though, perhaps, they like books. They, they, they're well read. They understand. They, they value knowledge. They, yeah. they understand. They value people as well, which a lot of space marine chapters don't. Mm. They believe in preserving other people's cultures, even if it doesn't match their own. Mm. That's a good trait to have in a relationship. Solid marry. Yeah. yeah. That's a solid marry. Sorry, I'm making the case for the thousand sons here, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like, so a piece of art I really wanted to commission, but I was like, I don't have the money or the time, or really, I don't know why I would do this, mm. was all of the Primarchs in the Dream Daddy art style. Right. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> like yeah. Dream Primarch. Yeah, yeah. Like that, that's that's the yeah, that's, a, that's, that's the a, visual novel I would play. Well, I'd a, play Dream Daddy as well, but you know what I mean? It's a $2 interesting I want to make novel. the Horus Heresy Dream Daddy visual novel. I wonder how fast. Games Workshop, give me the license to do that. I wonder how fast they would see you. Uh, oh, immediately. <laughs> um, but like, everyone's got the license. Anyway. Mm. Uh, sorry, 16th Legion, the Sons of Horus or the Lunar Wolves. That's a tricky one. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'd marry Loken. Yeah. You know? Garviel Loken. Garviel Loken I'd marry. Yeah, uh, maybe, maybe Torek Tom again or something like that. Like, yeah, okay. 
Probably yeah, not. marry Luna Wolves, avoid Sons of Horus, yeah. or shag Sons of Horus. Well, probably avoid. Yeah, okay. Too risky. Yeah, marry Luna Wolves, uh, doomed two month relationship with the Sons of Horus. <laughs> yep. Um, word bearers. Oh God, avoid. Avoid. Yeah. Yeah. Too much. Um, salamanders. Oh, uh, marry. Marry. Probably. Yeah. Marry, yeah. Just nice, aren't they? Yeah. Raven guard. Oh, uh, shag. Live fast. I think you'd get ghosted by the Raven Guard completely. <laughs> that is the <laughs> like, whole thing. Shag once and then you never see Corvus Corax again. You just hear the sound of a jet bike departing and <laughs> never again. Yeah. Sound of a thousand rings. while it lasted. Uh, finally, the Alpha Legion. Oh, avoid. Yeah, I am Alpharius. They're all bellowing all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Too much. I don't want that. You know, imagine yeah. going mad. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. This wasn't even a question we were really asked. No, but, but I suppose, I don't know what, I feel like we'd, someone would be interested in those answers too. <laughs> Um, just to give you something. Um, so the next question, but I mean, maybe we've, you know, we've learned something more about which space marine chapters we really want to collect. Perhaps. I mean, uh, is, is, uh, wanting to shag or marry a chapter a prerequisite for collecting them? I'm collecting Iron Hands. You don't even, yeah. Um, no, apparently not. Yeah. Apparently you don't need to yeah, imagine having a long-term relationship with <laughs> a space marine. Space marine. To, to collect it. But nonetheless, um, Simon, who's curly on Discord, writes, one, two, three, four, which chaos god do you adore? Five, six, seven, eight, pus, skulls, change, or gyrate, which is a valiant attempt to That's make that good. rhyme. I enjoy that. I'm going to sneeze, Tom. Mm. Fill in the gap. That's Nurgle. <coughs> we haven't killed each other yet. I think uh, Corn is going to be very disappointed with the way He wouldn't even finish the game. That's the thing. Yeah, it's trash. Oh, well, it turns out neither is a particularly corner line. Yeah, there you go. Anyway. See each next. Yeah. Um... My question this month is about the most exciting aspect of the hobby, paint station organization. I've spent more time than I'd like thinking about arranging and rearranging my paints. I sort mine by type, metallics, layer, shade, etc., then order them into a sort of rainbow. They live in homemade flat racks, so I can easily stack them away into the spousal eye roll investment obfuscation device, also called a cardboard box. A folding table and a light with magnifying glass completes my setup. What about yourselves? How do you organize your paints, and what does your paint station look like? Cheers for the excellent potting over the years. Uh, Simon, and then he has a PS about you forgetting that disgusting, really resilient, and 40k can save mortal wounds. Uh, there you go. PSA there, but we won't maybe go oh, too that's useful to me, though. Paint station organization, Tom. Uh, yeah, well, I, I, they're all in a box, and then I, I, I don't have like a set paint station, so I have to kind of assemble one. So I have to, I've got one of the Citadel paint boxes, which has like, you know, um, a big rack for paints inside it, and it all unfolds into a workstation. So that, that's, that's how I do it. I've got a lamp. I've got, um, the one that, GW uses, um, mm. which uh, I think you've got one as well. I've got one as well, yeah. I can't remember what it's called or anything. But uh, I'll put a link in the show notes. It's a very, very good lamp. It's a very good lamp. It's uh, pricey, but good. Um, you recommended it to me, and then uh, Pip got it for me as a Christmas present ah, last lovely. year. So, yeah. yeah, It's uh, yeah, it's brilliant. It gives you proper like, daylight. It's a lot of light in a big area. Big which area, you want. yeah. yeah. It's, it's, and especially you know, in a dark country like this, um, it's good to have that. So I don't organise my paints at all. I have a drawer mm. full of paints, and I rely on a sort of system of trial and error, and I like to think a little bit of magic, a bit like the psychic test in Starship Troopers, with mm. like a kind of blind trial. Yeah, yeah. So just kind of imagine, just by sort of like a kind of unspoken intuition, just pull the paint I'm looking for out of the drawer oh, without nice. trying. It almost never works, but when it does, it feels amazing. Yeah, well, like, I need Skaven Bite Dinge, and you're like... <gasps> There it is. Oh, my God. God. Um, but yeah, I, I actually get to like, I work on a project and then by the time I finished it, my paint station is a disaster. Mm. And then I cathartically clean and tidy mm. and then it becomes a disaster again. And then I, it's, yeah, it's, it's I'm not a good, similar. I'm not a good session by session organizer. Yeah. I tend to like arrange my paints around me as I'm using them and um, not put them back. So there's like a semicircle of growing paint 
kind of just around me yeah uh, you know uh, in a project then i um my girlfriend gets annoyed enough to put it all away <laughs> yeah similar yeah i'm sure many people will yeah uh empathize next up uh pete Fiania from discord writes hi there miniatures this month's question is, with rumours that GW are looking to make their release schedule faster, which presumably means more models coming out faster, mm. uh, what will this mean for us hobbyists? I'm in two minds. As on one hand, there are lots of miniatures that are past their prime and need updates or replacements, and there are also lots of new things that could well be very exciting. However, on the other hand, I'm weak, and it's not fair to tempt me like this. There's also some concern the balance will be affected by the new releases, although for, my, for myself, I'm not too concerned by that, as Warhammer is, in all its forms, not about that for me. Special, bon- special bonus question. What is the best mark of power armour? The answer is Mark VI Corvus armor because beaks are cool. Thanks for listening, everyone. Fienia slash Pete. Hmm. Uh, best power armor. I actually like Mark III a lot. I like Mark III. Yep. Uh, I like Mark III, although I never want to paint it again. <laughs> yeah, fair. You've done a lot of Mark III in your time. Yeah. Uh, Mark X good. Actually, yeah. Primaris armor is really cool. I yeah. like Primaris armor. Yeah. It's got it's got a lot. It's got a little bit of Mark IV. Got a fruity bit of Mark IV in there. I think. Yeah. It's a mix. Um, yeah, I like Mark III. Um, I think. Um, yeah, I would be, I'd happily go with that. I like. I think um, I really like the Primaris Gravis armor. Somewhere yeah. between Terminator and regular mm. Minator. I love those aggressors. Mm. Really, mm. really love them ones. aggressive. Yeah, mm. like me a good cowl. Yeah, um, a bit of cowling. Um, with regards protection. to fast releases. Oh, mm, yeah. I mean, they seem to have already sped up the releases anecdotally from. Yeah, I think it's, it hasn't felt like that simply because AOS has felt very quiet for a long That's time. True, actually, yeah. The, uh, I don't see any drawback to faster releases, personally. I feel like this month, my kind of decision that I want to take projects at my own pace and not go, not do another marathon like that again means mm. that I'm more okay with it because, like, I know I've got the discipline now not to buy everything as it comes out. Yeah. Like, I've got Shades by it earmarked. I'm going to get that because I'm excited to play it. But I may even play without painting everything because mm. the snap fit models on yeah, red plastic. Yeah, like, it'll be good. okay, you know. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll be, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. Mm. Um, whereas, yeah, I mean, obviously, if if also, I think I don't feel the pressure to own things straight away. I think that's the thing. Like initially, you do when you're excited about a hobby, but you don't need to get everything the moment it comes out. I think once you've got a pile of shame, which I do very much have, then yes, me too. I've got a pile of demons and zango that need doing. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's what stops you from buying new stuff, really. And to be honest, like considering the amount of stuff I have, means that even though AOS has been slower this year, there's been enough of it because we both have. Oh, yeah, I'm easily stuff. plenty to do through next year. Mm. Like yeah, exactly. I only I'll only buy stuff now to get me into a new game system. Really, yeah. Like it's not time to not start a new army. I'm still having fun playing my existing army. Mm. Yeah, yeah. The current pace of releases is is great. Um, I'd love to see more death and destruction. I think those are the two big alliances that need fleshing out in AOS. Yeah, just but but nonetheless, it doesn't variety. directly affect us. Really, no, not like, at all. it's no. a theoretical point, but yeah. it affects us if our friends get it and want to play. But you yeah, know what yeah. I mean, um, obviously, GW want you to feel the pull to invest in everything as it comes out, and I certainly feel it. Mm. But I think I'm getting better at uh, resisting that. I'd like more AOS scenery. That's one thing I'd like. Yes, uh, I'd like more different types. Yes, That'd yeah, be nice because it's been ages since I've released some new scenery for AOS, or rather than repackaging stuff. Yes, yeah, yeah mm. definitely. Um, our next question comes from Steve, who writes, Dear CNC, do saxophones exist in the 40k universe? If so, are they considered heretical abominations or holy relics? Asking for a friend, <laughs> Steve. Emperor's children would definitely play saxophone. In that case, they're heretical. They're heretical, yeah. Um, and it only takes a careless whisper <laughs> for 
chaos, the insidious grip of heresy Absolutely. to take its hold. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's actually the sound of the warp. People don't realize that. Yeah. It's like every time they, every time a ship enters, enters the warp in, uh, in 40k, that's mm. all you hear. Just ruin that for everybody there. Excellent. Um, uh, Jim writes, hi, Thurston Gore and Celestial Senior. <laughs> I was listening back to episode five and considering that doing Primaris from the unused to Gene Seed would give them options for some interesting variations on the Space Marine theme. I'd personally be very interested in seeing what the World Eaters would have turned out like without the Butcher's Nails, the implants that make them into Berserkers. It would be great if they then took the Legion in a completely different direction from Berserker as this was likely the fault of their implants and not their gene seed. What do you guys think about this? Are there any other legions you think would be interesting to see more of without the influence of their Primarch? Thousand Suns Primaris that are highly likely to turn to piles of gloop? Raven Guard without the gene seed degradation that came from their mass cloning attempts during the heresy? Keep on podding, Jim. Hmm. Uh, hmm. I think it's like the, the quirks of the Primarchs are what make their chapters yeah. individual, you know, individually different. Um so if you took the vampirism out of the blood angels you know what's the point anymore yeah they're just they're just marines yeah again. yeah there's an element of that and likewise you know thousand sons are in a weird position because without magnus mm. as people say they just turn into gloop yeah so that doesn't really work yeah i think i think obviously loyalist versions of traitor um mm. you know more loyalist versions of, of traitor legions is interesting uh there isn't really like a, a presence in the in in 40k like the lunar wolves so they're probably my answer for like yeah. a concept that's interesting to get back because lunar wolves are basically like the chill space wolves. Mm. Like they have a kind of like communal battle brother mentality, but in a very specific way that's almost like ritual and sort of yeah. They they, they sit between dark angels, ultramarines, and space wolves. I think in an interesting way that isn't represented in that yeah, current set. I, I agree actually, and I still think the emperor's children are a concept that's not represented in forty k. Um, yeah, I really miss them from thirty k. The perfectionist precise, marines yeah the, the precise the arrogance combined with uh the idea of battle as art uh and mm. their aesthetic sensibility as there's well, some of that in the that. blood angels yeah a bit of that in the ultra as well um but i think there's nothing quite as crystallized as the emperor's children like i really miss them in 40k i think yeah. there's a place for them uh slanesh as well it's be good to, yeah well they're sort of i mean i was about to say they're sort of the elfy space marines they mm, have the kind of high yeah. elf sort of mentality which yeah, is because definitely. they're aligned with slanesh who is the god the eldar made so like you know there's that's really cool together. a cool little niche i think that's uh they would feel very nicely the fancy marines fancy where marines. are our loyalist fancy marines loads of filigree you just want to paint loads of gold filigree Tom. I, I, I don't. I've got a recommendation <laughs> <will>. for you <laughs> it's called zinch worship <laughs> Next up, Simon writes, Hi, MM at to C and C. Having been away from miniatures for a few years, I've been living vicariously through, through you, so thanks. I really enjoy the battle reports. So, sorry for this. Well, we've got kind of like six battle reports. Yeah, sort of. got a whole tournament's worth. Yeah. Where invariably the mighty Stormcast triumph. However, while I'm willing to believe that Chris forgets a lot of rules and rolls terrible dice, the possibility that Tom has more tactical skills, it does seem that in all your descriptions, the Stormcast are just better. The Sigmarites can take a massive amount of punishment while also dishing out mortal wounds both in combat and at range. By all accounts, the demons are rather squishy and have to use every trick in the book to even scrape by. Do you consider the battles as disadvantaged as they sound? Is Zinch or maybe just Chris's army lacking something vital? Cheers, Simon. I think we have said, I think I have said before that like, if Chris builds some Zangor and some Skyfires, then that immediately gives the Stormcast stuff to fight. I think it's the the nature of demons uh, precisely that uh, makes them very squishy against Stormcast. But that doesn't make it, you know, it's not that it's not competitive. It's, still... it's it's interesting. We haven't played a like a 
a full game since I figured out what the fuck was going on. Because <laughs> we didn't finish our game today, and I think yeah. it, I think it might have been close. Mm. So I think so. I think I'm still I still have a squishy army. However, I have more squish now because I have more pinkaros, which makes a big difference. Three yes. is that does more than two in terms of units, obviously. Um, but also I know how to use my launch change now. I know how mm. to arrange my spells. I know how to set up things where I can do enough damage to get, make it in Tom's army. So, yeah. you know, your retributors died in two turns mm. this game, which they have not done before. And that's yeah. just because of me knowing, and that's with the Lord of Change failing twice to mm. cast to both spells. So like, you know, I can, I can account for the weaknesses now and, and, uh, so I suppose the answer is, all of the above because i needed more stuff i needed a lord of change it's a it is yeah. the zinch hero for a reason mm. um i needed to need more demons um because i need just to figure out the army and also just to sort of understand the yeah. rhythm of it so it's still sword cast there's not much to figure out there they just do what they you know yeah and, do, I, so and yeah. i had been using stuff wrong because i've been valuing the wrong things about my units mm. the pink horrors are good because they don't go away yeah you want them to them. go away but they keep not going away mm. and that's you know that's their value the value they're, they're rubbish but they're amazing mm. that's kind of what's so dinchy and demony about yeah. them yeah. so for me it's in better understanding on my part and but also just also just better sort of things like target priority mm. and understanding when i need to move on stuff and yeah. when i need to worry about it and when i don't like i'm not worried about the heralds anymore really mm. like because i know to account for it and to give myself the option to kill him if he yeah. like, changeling can follow him around yeah but you know yeah i think i think these will get a lot more balanced join me next month when <laughs> this is not true <laughs> See how it goes. but yeah i don't know if i mean you seem to find today let more even so oh yeah than, definitely yeah than definitely. the smash up it's been in the past yeah and I, I just like having your web of heroes operating correctly suddenly like is scarier than it was before whereas like previously i didn't fear anything in your army yeah <laughs> pretty much just like, breathe, like flimsy wizards hiding behind some demons that hit your yeah. line and go eh, and vanish and i like i ran like a very low shooting army this time but i definitely put more shooting in yeah in but, but also i heroes. feel like i can handle it if you put yeah. more shooting in because it means you don't have something else exactly yeah so i'd lose i did have like um i had some aether wings and griffhounds i think what i'd do next time is lose a hero and put some extra shooting in In fact obviously the full proper battle report would be in the show notes to some extent but the only thing i would have done differently the way you set up was you put your two units of liberators on the objectives Mm. and had the ether wings and stuff rush forward to slow me down yeah i probably would have put the ether wings on one of the objectives and yeah that's running around but then um like a changeling can easily kill a unit of uh, Aether Wings just have that point. And it's, it's Maybe. About, uh, harder than you think. Yeah. Changing is not good in melee. And if mm. he fails... So the only way to do it is a Bolt of Zinch, which has to do all six mortal wounds. Yeah. And it's cast on an eight. Mm. And he gets no buffs because he's so far away from everybody. Yeah. So it's not... It depends on my destiny dice a bit. Yeah. Basically what I'm saying is it's more of a toss-up than you think. I yeah. Think. I think maybe like I was too worried about um, being that capped. But again, like libs don't kill stuff. They, no but i couldn't just chew them places. forward and move on right like yeah but I, I also i knew that the formula chew them forward uh, chew them forward uh, <laughs> you move them forward and i'll chew through them <laughs> is what i meant chew um, them forward i knew that the formulators and the prime were going to come down and was confident in their back capping capability so i didn't feel like i needed the lips i guess what we're but, saying yeah, is there will continue the to be stri- i think there's more strategic decisions being made by both of us now yeah it's weirdly great, despite it's everything we've said about the game having phases where you feel like you're not making any decisions yeah. i think we're both making more but the movement um movement phase is brilliant like movement in aos is fucking awesome yeah and uh, love it as uh, love that aspect of the game as all, all games. i'm kind of learning not to move sometimes to be like it's actually oh, yeah, okay if i stand sure. here and shoot you yeah yeah yeah, yeah definitely yeah totally valid uh 
Next question, getting towards the end of them, comes from Robert, who writes, Dear heretics, so my mum went to the local church raffle and won. When she look, took a look at the prizes, she recognised something I used to be into and picked me up a Chaos Demon Prince. For my <laughs> first question. a church raffle? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Is this real? <laughs> um, his first question is, is this older model still legal with all the new rules or is there some sort of rotation? I used to be heavily into Lord of the Rings models a decade or so ago. And with my recent windfall and your podcast, I want to get back into the hobby. Though when listening to the pod, you quickly lost me with talk of paint thinning, washes, wet palettes, etc. When I was painting, I thought dry brushing was rather fancy. Are there any good resources you know of for basic painting skills for novices? Uh, many thanks, Robert. So hmm. so your demon prints will be perfectly legal as long as it's on the right size base hmm. for the game system you're playing. So just take some notes from me, Chris, the mistake maker. <laughs> And uh, go Google like AOS bases chart if AOS is what you want to play, whatever, mm. and just find out what it is. You may have to go into Games Workshop and buy a circular base of that size they're for a couple cheap, of quid, but they're pretty yeah. cheap by GW standards. So you know that's the thing. That's the only thing to consider. Um, in terms of painting resources, there are loads, right? Yeah, actually, I mean, not to just bang on uh, bang GW's drum forever, but. <laughs> Uh, Jack, marry, <laughs> kill, avoid, bang their drum forever. <laughs> uh, their, um, D- Duncan Rhodes, uh, on their YouTube channel, uh, does very good painting tutorials for all of their models that introduce you to the Citadel system of like, you know, base coats, layers, washes, blah, blah, blah. And it's way less complicated than we've made it sound, I imagine, just to get started with it. I think it's like anything that involves any measure of jargon. When you mm-hmm. don't know what the yes. jargon means, it's yeah. a, it's a, or if you're not totally, if it's not physically real to you, it sounds unknowable. Yeah. Anything's like this. Music's like this making films is like this writing is like this half the time like anything like this as soon as you know what people are referring to with those terms it gets a lot simpler and Mm. you can do all of the things we've described it's just you just need to be shown the thing yeah also asking for help in a games workshop shop is not a bad idea either or a local game shop they've normally got uh they should have um paint stations just available for them to show you techniques and stuff yeah yeah also um we mentioned this in news but they just put out the citadel paint app which i haven't used yet but is intended to help you know what paints to mix and that kind of thing i think and with with tutorials and stuff that's right yeah you can um select any color and it will give you the wash highlight dry brush and it will give you a, a space marine backpack that has been painted using those colors so you could see exactly how they'll turn out in the final model yeah it's really handy yeah very handy um so yeah so next question comes from adam who writes hi chris is your chaos sorcerer actually rinse wind if his hat says sorcerer misspelled you might be onto something uh that's from adam um well he's 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 a stormcast lord celestin now actually i just thought of something amazing oh, yeah. in our game he just followed your guy around didn't do anything and cast some buffs that's it's exactly the, same, the same thing he did with it's his whole deal you know he survived he all of blackout he didn't die once that entire time. really yeah well well yeah he survived uh, he survived um games day as well yeah that's all yeah that's his but he just wandered MO. around and his dog got killed which yeah. is basically yeah. the... it's exactly the same some uh, things never change. You can reforge your soul, strip out all of its corruption, but, but it he's still be basically incompetent <laughs> yeah, exactly. on the other, um, on the other side. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to build the next chapter of my army around his absence in a way. Yeah, like, that's really cool. I like that idea. Um, his, this tower I'm building will have been his tower mm. and a new cult his, is going to grow around his it. His legend will yeah. spawn. Because he, he did do some good things in his time. It's just, yeah, yeah. I mean, when I say like he, he's a bit incompetent and sniveling and things, it's because he's a chaos sorcerer lord. He's all about ambition and thwarted ambition. He can't mm. be, he's not a strident golden hero. That's the Stormcast. Yes. He's always going to be making mistakes and following a big bird around. 
That's how it goes. Yeah. It's a bit truer to life, I like to think. Hmm. That's my reality. Finally, James writes, Hello, Chris and Tom. As a response to last month's question about how an Imperium where the Thousand Suns never fell would look, I'd like to recommend, recommend The Dornian Heresy, a series of unfortunately unfinished fan articles by Bolter and Chainsword, which inverts the allegiance of all the legions. There's articles de detailing all of them, apart from, if I remember rightly, the Imperial Fists, the Sons of Horus, and the Death Guard. Definitely worth a look, if nothing else, than for the interesting considerations that the author had. For instance, instead of the sorcery-focused Thousand Sons falling, the bird-themed Raven Guard become mutants, while the Thousand Sons get the opportunity to become soul-bound in a similar way to the Astropaths, hmm. which is a really interesting oh, idea. Yeah. Also, thank you for inspiring my friend to pick up some Age of Sigmar. We've taken the plunge and should be playing our first game with fully painted miniatures sometime next month. Nice. Anyway, keep up the good work. And if this is read out on episode eight, which it has been, happy corn month. Hooray. Which is something no blood reaver <laughs> has ever bellowed. Happy corn month. Happy corn month. <laughs> happy times for the happy month. It's each next month. We'll have to come up with some... Some twists. I'm just going to lie <laughs> yeah, for the, the entire, entire podcast. podcast. I'm just going to say nothing. But I'll lies. swap out for a random person. Yeah, half I'm going to. Yeah, I'm going to lie for the entire podcast and then die out of nowhere. <laughs> uh, and uh, again, that podcast. Will and end. then you'll just win on points, like <laughs> yeah. two hours into the podcast. Victory, yeah, yeah, exactly. As I always do. Uh, inside the joke. <laughs> that is all of the questions we have time for on this. Miniatures Monthly, Episode 8, The One with Lots of Skulls. Hmm. If you'd like to send us a question for a future episode, you can email us at miniatures at crateandcrowbar.com. You can also hang out with our awesome community on Discord. However, the channel has changed. It used to be Table Talk, and if you've listened to back, back episodes, you'll be used to me saying Table Talk. It's now Role Models, but where Role is like R-O-L-L, because mm. it's a pun, right? Yes. It's rolling dice and models. Yeah. It's very clever. It's because uh, the Table Talk channel was originally for like the pen and paper guys and the yeah. and the board game uh, folk. So we, you know, divided church and state again just to make sure that endless, endless miniatures chat, which is what you've got to look forward to, <laughs> mm. is in its own place lots now. Of so pictures. role models, lots on. of working working progress pictures, lots of tips, and a great place to ask for advice. A lovely, community. yeah, very, very good. Yeah, the amazing community. And and also, more to the point, this makes it such good news that we didn't, as we were considering doing, call this podcast Table Talk. <laughs> <That's> um, <true>. <laughs> <laughs> dodged a bullet there. Should we call ourselves role models? No. No. Because we're not role models. No, that's Tom. very true. Um, the So, yes, that's where you hang out with our community. The uh, Miniatures Monthly is obviously part of the Crate and Crowbar and is as such supported by the Crate and Crowbar Patreon um by backing the, the the main video games podcast that we do allows us to do these spin-offs including this podcast if you'd like to find out more about that you can find us patreon.com forward slash crate and crowbar you can also find miniatures monthly itself on twitter at minis monthly a little bit slow recently because i think both of our hobby progress has been slow yeah but that's where we tend to post pictures of our latest builds and paint jobs and things like that and scattered battle reports <laughs> when we think to do that yeah um Tom, how do people find you on the social media if they uh, wish to do so? I'm on Twitter at, at PCGLudo, which is L-U-D-O. I'm on Twitter at C Thurston, that's C-T-H-U-R-S-T-E-N. And you can also find my miniatures Instagram at Exit Warp, which is E-X-I-T-W-A-R-P. Mm. And that, I think, brings Miniatures Monthly Episode 8 to, the to an end. Conclusion. Yeah, we... we I think we answered some important questions about Space Marines. I think so. And, and raised some important questions about magic? Maybe. Who knows, Tom? I 
can't remember what we talked about for two hours. Neither can I. Oh, well. <laughs> Join us next month when we'll talk for two hours without remembering what the hell we're talking about <laughs> once again. Thanks for listening, everyone. Goodbye.